Monday. And I am not Drew Berquist. I am Tom Cunningham, but this is Drew Berquist Show. And I'm filling in for Drew just for tonight. Drew will be back tomorrow. He, from what I hear, was enjoying some time off with his family. Yes. No, actually, no. He, we were talking earlier, and he said, he, we, oh, hey, there's your empty chair. Wrong camera. <laughs> uh, he got to go and see the Vikes play. So he was excited. He wanted to make sure we got to know what he got to do. But now he's safe. He's home safely now. He's home safe and yeah. sound. Yeah. I missed that game. Did you watch it last night? It was really, it was, uh, it was the one o'clock. Yeah. One of the one oh, o'clock games. Game. Yeah. It was actually really good against the Saints. Vikes did really good. The backup quarterback's been really showing up since Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. What's with the Achilles this season? Everyone's. I don't know. They they're, they're, seem to be snapping like rubber bands. Yeah. It happened in uh, soccer. And women's soccer. It did. And <laughs> anybody better. Yeah, we're going to get to that story in a bit. Uh, let's see. What should we start with? Let's start with what we've got on tap for the day. It was a wild, wild weekend. Do you have a good weekend, Disco? It was good. It was nice to get to spend time with the family. You so. know what I watched last night, which what? was really good? The uh, docu- documentary about Sylvester Stallone. Have you seen that? I haven't. Is it good? I thought it was really good. You talk about somebody who, I mean, whatever you think of Sylvester Stallone and, you know, if he's got acting chops, if he'll go down as like one of the greatest actors of all time, whatever. The, my biggest takeaway from the documentary is the fact that Sylvester Stallone knew that he would lead a life of relative obscurity and mediocrity going down the the road he was going down in acting of just getting like these bit parts of being kind of like the thuggish guy, you know, from Thor, uh, Lords of Flatbush in his first movie. Yeah. So he did something that was totally unprecedented, unprecedented. He started writing and directing his own movies and found that niche and created two characters that, you know, are going to live on forever and two franchises that yeah. have lived on forever. And what I, lo- I remember reading something, it, it was, or it was like an, it was reading like an interview he had on a magazine. He talked about how like he had nothing, he had no money. And with Rocky, he wrote Rocky and other places wanted to pick it up. He's like, I want to direct it. Or and they're like, no, you can't do that. We're not going to do that. And he held as long as he could till he finally landed it and got it. And that's, it was like, Hey man, way to hold off on it. He's like, I had no money in my pocket. Right. Couldn't eat. <laughs> but I knew if I if I if I stuck to my guns here, it was going to work, and it did. Yeah, yeah. He touches on that in the uh, in the documentary. He was like, you know, there was all kinds of people who, you know, Ryan O'Neill was going to play the part. Of wow, Rocky. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a totally different movie, and probably wow. not the franchise that it is. But it just goes to show you that if so, if you're passionate about something. You just find your own path, and you you just plow through that path and make it work. And Sylvester Stallone is a shining example. He's an extreme example of that, and I'm sure there are plenty other people out there, even people who are watching right now, who chose their own path in life and just decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to get there through brute force and ugliness, and it's all going to work out in the end. And that's what Sylvester Stallone did. Or by getting beat in the face on film, (laughs) you know. Yeah, exactly, and blowing a few things up here and there. Yeah. So some of the stories that we're getting to going to get to today, uh, let's see, another Republican candidate for president throws in the towel. Did you hear about this one, Disco? I have not. Ah, quite a surprise there. Uh, Armistice celebrations in London were hijacked by more Hamas enthusiasts over the weekend. Let's see, fighting rages on in the Mideast, and America is slowly but surely being drugged into the war. And there was also a beating of a teen in Las Vegas where the, the teen ended up dying 
because of the beating, which nobody has really heard about this beating and how it occurred in the 15 suspects that jumped this kid and killed him. We'll get into that a little bit and kind of shed some light. I mean, we already, you probably have an idea of why this story wasn't covered because yeah. it doesn't fit a specific narrative. So we're going to go a little bit more deeper into that when we get to that story. Uh, did you watch UFC 295 over the weekend? I did not. Oh, it was so it's, good. It's, uh, I feel like my girls would get into it, but I have two little girls at home watching that. They probably, you know, my wife's like, why are we watching this? You know, I've been trying to get them to watch wrestling with me, and they don't. So I don't yeah. think they would like UFC. Yeah, when it's actually beating people. Yeah. <laughs> What's that red stuff coming out of their face? That's called blood. <laughs> no, it was good. Donald Trump showed up there with two surprise guests, which was, which, you know, there's a lot of speculation on who his running mate's going to be. And I don't know if you can read into this, but we'll get to that story of who one of his surprise Ooh, guests okay. were and see if that, that could possibly be a running mate. I know that there were two surprise guests, and I would really like to see one of them be his running mate over the other one, but the <laughs> other one's probably more likely. All right. <laughs> and then, did you know that it was, uh, what do they call it? They called it turd stock over the weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. No. Yeah, I, do you, I'm, I'm actually afraid to ask what turd stock is. <laughs> do you follow Cat Turd? Yes, I do. On, on X, yes. Okay. Well, Cat Turd got together with John Rich, and they had a music festival called Turd Stock, and we finally get to see what Cat Turd looks like. So we'll have those pictures and videos coming up a little later on. And here it is. Just when he thought Megan Rapino couldn't get more <laughs> smug and disgusting and more hateable. Wait, so this is the story I sent you, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. It got in. All right. She does. Oh, it, it's a it her hubris is just it, it, it her self-centered narcissism is something I have never seen before. I'm all about, you know, athletes having confidence, but when you take it to a, the level that she took it, it, it you, you've lost me. Yeah. No, it, uh, when we, I won't go into, but when you get into what happened, I just, I, I sent you this morning, like, can you, and you're like, I hate her so much. And like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, and you, you probably didn't have to read the article, but you were just like, oh gosh, but it's just where she goes, where she takes it. Yeah. Blow, it, it just, you know, I never would have thought that would have been something that would be okay in society. And it is now. Oh, it's totally fine. Yeah. I mean, this is how far we've come off the rails as, as, as a society when somebody like Megan Rapinoe thinks it's totally okay to say what she said. Uh, on this date in 2015, 130 concert goers were murdered at the Bellacon, Bellaclon Concert Hall in Paris. Remember that? And another 350 were injured. Yeah, wow. That was at the Eagles of Death Metal concert. And I don't know if you're a friend of the Eagles of Death Metal, but I am. And there's a documentary out about that shooting. It came out in 2017. It's called Nos Ami. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because my French is a little rusty. It's spelled N-O-S-A-M-I-S, which means our friends. And the documentary is really good. Jesse Hughes, who's the lead singer of the Eagles of Death Metal, is first of all, I, I think Jesse is one of the most underrated rock and roll stars of all time. But the way that he comes across in his storytelling and his recounting of what happened on that night in Paris is it, it, it just it, it pulls you in so much because there's you can just tell that there's so much pain involved with him recounting what happened. 
and the unfortunate death of of the 130 people there who were slaughtered by a Muslim jihadist. So I highly recommend that film. Have you seen that disco, that documentary? No, not yet. Oh, you should check it out. It's really good. Oh, you always give me great uh, things to watch, and I, I put on a list, and then I'll go home and be like, well, we should watch this. Like, it's from Tom. Now Lee is always like, has Tom given you a new, uh, <laughs> a new, <laughs> like, yeah. not yet, like, so kind of, but I got oh, two you now. You know what else we watched over the weekend? We watched, uh, this movie has been, I think it came out in like 1999, maybe, or a little bit later. I think it was, was a little bit later. But the uh, Gangs of New York. Have you seen that Martin Scorsese movie? Yeah, actually, no. We, we were talking about this last week. That one, I've, for whatever reason, I've only ever made it like 15 minutes in. Oh, yeah. And so I haven't seen the whole thing yet. Yeah, I started it last weekend, and then the wife wasn't really interested in it. So I was like, hey, let's try and give it a go uh, yesterday. And she was. Watched it all the way through. Phenomenal nice. movie. Yeah. Phenomenal movie. All right. So before we get started, I'm pleased to tell you that this hour is brought to you commercial-free by American Alternative Assets. How's Binomics working out for you, Disco? It sucks right now. Yeah. Yeah, like really bad. I know. I just went <laughs> to uh, I went to the grocery store and got grapes, green grapes. Yeah. Uh, I went to check out 17 bucks for a bag of grapes. Well, you got other stuff too, right? Or was it just no, the grapes? No, just the grapes. Holy God. I had no idea. It's unbelievable. I I always made the joke. You go to Costco, you can never spend under a hundred dollars. Now it's you can't spend under three hundred dollars. Doesn't matter what you're getting there. It's just crazy. Yeah. With how everything's going up. Yeah. Obviously, Joe Biden and his cabal of economists are doing a terrible job. Sorry about that. My my uh, rings got caught on the desk here. Um, but the U.S. dollar is losing value, and your hard-earned money and savings are at risk. But you can act now before it's too late with a straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American. Uh, contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. A free wealth protection guide. That's what I need because I've always heard, you know, I keep seeing this and I need to get the information on it because now I'm at the point where I'm reading all these articles and it's like you really have to diversify your portfolio. Oh, yeah. Because if you're just depending on your 401k in real estate, you, you know, I'm really, I've got to know more and I've got to get into this before it's too late. Yeah, well, we've we, you know we've had Michael Christian on the show from AAA on, and he talks about how he's been talking about how your four hundred one k's could become three hundred one k's or two hundred one k's, right? And just in in the near future because of what's going on, and they help you direct if you have that if you have something saved up like a four hundred one k, bring it in, and there's right. a tax loophole that you can get through that you you don't pay no fees to get it over to precious metals, silver and gold. Yeah, so. Scary times. Yeah. So learn how you can safeguard your wealth from the falling dollar and volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number 2USAGold. That's 833-2USAGold. Or visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals all without any tax without any tax consequences and i i've got to look into this i've got to become i've got to get on board so that again call 833 the number 2 USA gold 
That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. All right, here we go with the news crews. And there were six presidential candidates. And like an overexcited Mormon teenager at the end of a soaking session, Tim Scott has pulled out of the primary race. Tim Scott. Yeah. He's not the only one that's pulled out. There's going to be some... I've got a list of everybody who's, who's pulled out so far, and I think you'll be surprised to know who's on that list. That's going. All right, let's see it. All right, well, first <laughs> of all, let's listen to Tim over the weekend with the surprise announcement. Is that this one? No. That uh, is not that one. It's, he's with uh, the dude from South Carolina, Trey Gowdy. There it is. If you ever want to love your country more, run for president. Traveling this country, meeting people has been one of the most fantastic experiences of my entire life. I love America more today than I did on May 22nd. But when I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential uh, candidate. I am suspending my campaign. I I think the voters uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet have been really clear that they're telling me uh, not now, Tim. I don't think they're saying, Trey, no, but I do think they're saying not now. And so I'm going to respect the voters and I'm going to hold on and keep working really hard and uh, look forward to another opportunity. Shocker. Are you shocked, Disco? That he backed out? Yes. No, not. <laughs> I can't believe he backed out after he just introduced his girlfriend to the world, Mindy. It would have been the first girlfriend, right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think a lot of people are of the same opinion that I am, that Mindy's probably just a beard. But you know what? Tim <laughs> has been a pretty good senator, I think. I don't live in South Carolina, but from what I've heard from people who do live in South Carolina, they seem to be pleased with him as they're not pleased with Lady G. But Tim is adding to the list. Remember Francis Suarez, Disco? No. The mayor of Miami? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out of the race. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think he was the first to go, followed by Will Hurd. Remember him? Yes. Uh, Drew's friend? Yeah. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> He's gone? Okay. How about Perry Johnson? Remember Perry? Perry Johnson. No, that one I don't remember. He was the guy who had the ad where he was running somewhere, but not really knowing yes. where he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone, too. Okay. He pulled out over the weekend. All right. And you know what? And this didn't make the news, but I pulled out of pulled out the my candidacy for president. over. Man, the you know, we were really hoping you were going to stick that one. I know. I just I, I couldn't get. The, I wasn't polling very well, and uh, my donations were down. So is, this, is this your official uh, statement saying that you're pulling yeah, out of the race? Okay, I, right. I, I will not seek the nomination for president of the United States. <laughs> okay, but um, Secretary of State, maybe you would. I would dig a cabinet position. Okay, all right. You know what? It's not a cabinet position. But I was just re. I think uh, uh, Don Jr. talked about having Laura Loomer. As press secretary, <laughs> that would be that would be great, fantastic. <laughs> I still stand that Billy Bush, when Trump got put into office, Billy Bush should have been his first press secretary because when he got pulled off of air and he couldn't go on any airwaves, well now 
you have to have him on there because he's my press secretary. I know. That would have been fantastic. The, the, that whole Billy Bush thing was the weirdest thing ever because that was the October surprise that was supposed to sink Trump, Trump's campaign. Yeah. And all it ended up doing was getting Trump elected and sinking Billy Bush's, Billy Bush's career. career. Yeah, we had nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. any of it. No, he didn't even know it was a hot. He didn't know anything was going on. Yeah, no, it sucks. It sucks. That's what I'm saying. If he would have brought him in, be like, yeah. "You're my president," then it would have been like, "You have a job. You're still on the. You're still on everyone's news channels, whether they like it or not." Right. <laughs> but oh well, all missed right, opportunity. So the candidates who are still trying to seek the nomination for president are. Asa Hutchinson, which I thought he had pulled out, but obviously not. He's still in. My man, Doug Burgum. So, so, <laughs> so even though he wasn't at the debate, he's still in the race. Yeah, he's still in. Same with Doug. Doug apparently didn't make the debate stage, which we all know was a bunch of bullshit because yeah. he's doing better in the polls yeah. and he's raising more money than Chris, Chris, Chris Christie. Chris Christie, the only reason why he's there is because he's Trump's nemesis and Ron McDaniel needs to have him on the debate stage. So... He can come up with more cute one-liners like Donald Duck. Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that one fell flat. That was, I mean, he, but the confidence he had saying that he thought, I'm really going to get him with this one, and it just fell flat. It just yeah. was awful. It's like uh, 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 Chris Cuomo when he was like, let's get after it. Let's get after it. You know, he would always say that. That was his tagline yeah. in the show. And you could tell that he spent so much time practicing in front of a mirror and go, let's get after it. Because he had so many different ways of delivering. Yeah. It was fantastic. All right. So you've got those two that, of course, we just talked about. The fat man himself, Chris Christie, who's only there for the free food and catering at all the debates. You've got Vivek. Vivek. V- Vivek. Rama Yummy. Rama Yummy. He's still in. <laughs> He's still... He, you know, the, one of the things like why I know a lot of people have problems with Vivek, and I've got some problems with him too. He's just, he seems, he comes, you know, he's polished, but he almost seems too polished. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Seems yeah. kind of weird to me. But I, where he like got me back is when he started going after Ron and McDaniel. Mm-hmm. And I think he got a lot of people on his side and calling for her, for her to resign and just calling her out on stage. It was fantastic. That it's it's things like that that, you know, him calling out uh Kristen Welker, Ron and McDaniel. Hey, Vivek has a way of ingratiating himself with people because he in I it's probably contrived, but he, or he has I think it's a little contrived, but also I think it's an innate sense that he has of what buttons he can push that are going to favor him. And I think those two references really helped him out in the debate. I don't think it's going to help him out in the long run because I think as it stands right now, Nikki Haley is going to be the one who's going to be going up against Trump. Ron DeSantis is still in it. You know, Ron has been a great governor here, but he just doesn't have that it factor. You know, I don't think that he's neocon enough for the neocons like, you know, Ronnie McDaniel and company at the uh, RNC and also for the liking of Mitch McConnell and Lady Graham. He just doesn't have that edge. He's a great manager. I think he's, a you know, I, I have no problems with Ron DeSantis being governor. The only time that I did sort of have a hiccup with him 
is when they closed the borders, <laughs> the border of Florida. And you were at a, you had to drive through. Yes, yeah. and I talk about that all the time. I know it only lasted like two weeks or whatever, and it was in response to New York doing the same thing. I just, it made me feel really uncomfortable, and I don't know if anybody out there went through a border at a state, but it was something that I never thought I would see in a million years. But... You know, for the million things that he's done right, I guess I can give him sort of a pass on one of those. Well, it, it, what's, what's going hard for him is that, you know, everyone, even on Trump's team, they're saying, like, oh, we, we got him the governorship, but now he's going against us and as president. Like, you know, how dare he? And so then right now he's been solidified as outed on the people who are Trump supporters, and they don't like him. But he's a great person, and I think he'd probably make a great president, you know, when it's his time. But the problem is, is even after if Trump, you know, Trump wins and all this happens, if he decides to run again, he's not going to get those people back, you know, and that because yeah. they're that hardcore in it, which is fine. I get it. Stand on your morals or whatever it is. But now he's lost it in my book. Not like I like I would vote for him if he if he went in over like if he beat Trump somehow to get on the final ticket, I'd still vote for him to be great. But those people will not vote for him. No. And, you know, I, I look at. um Ron DeSantis, and I look at Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump as I do Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, where Steve Jobs, you know, has like a big picture of what he wants to do. And then you have Steve Wozniak, who is the nuts and bolts guy. You know, he built the computer. He put the TV with the keyboard and he made the guts of the computer work where I see Ron DeSantis in that role. You know, from the interviews that I've seen with Steve, he's, you know, he's a nice, well-spoken guy, but he doesn't have the same sort of gravitas that Steve Jobs had. And it's important to have that because, especially in that realm that they were working in, because Steve was going after investors, Steve Jobs, that is. Whereas I don't think Steve Wozniak possessed those skills that Steve Jobs had. That's why they made, you know, to, to me, the perfect team when it when it came to the whole Apple computer system. Yeah. So, and that that's the way I see it with, uh, with Ron DeSantis. I think he's really good at the nuts and bolts and, like, getting everything that you need together to make something work, and he has. What he did after, was it Hurricane Ian? Yeah. It was pretty phenomenal, the way he was able to get, you know, FEMA all squared away, all the electric, um, the the linemen all squared away and ready to go. They, they built a bridge in a weekend. Th three days, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy. No, I, I mean, um, I, I can't remember what his role was, but what was Mike Pompeo's role? Um, he was Secretary of State. I could see DeSantis being a great Secretary of State, going in, you know, doing exactly what Pompeo would go somewhere, get things ready for when Trump's going to show up. That would be great. But would Trump bring him on, a, on his cabinet, on his staff? I don't think he would. You don't Maybe. He'd bring DeSantis on? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, the thing with Donald Trump is, as soon as you take on Donald Trump, you guys are mortal enemies. Remember in 2015, 2016, and we were going through the same round of debates, and how ruthless Trump was on Ted Cruz, and even, like, trying to link Ted Cruz's dad to the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> he went hard to the hoop. He went hard to the hoop on Ted Cruz. But then after that, after Trump was elected— Ted Cruz became like the biggest Donald Trump champion that there was. Where and, and the opposite, you had McCain, who when you know when Trump said that you know he didn't like his war heroes that got captured, that was it. McCain was done. McCain's the one who hand delivered, hand delivered, hand delivered <laughs> the, the Steele dossier yeah. over to the FBI. 
that's how much he hated Trump yeah. and what a neocon he was. And it's just funny to me that a lot of people don't see through that, you know, don't see that with Donald Trump. You can go at Donald Trump and you can be enemies with him. At the end of the day, if you want to make up and be on his team, he'll gladly pull you back into the fold. You don't have to be enemies for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're saying if Ron were to come to him and say, hey, I'm you know, sorry, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, maybe that would happen. But maybe Ron's too big to in his head to do that. Who knows? Right. Well, then you had Mitt Romney. Remember when they had the uh, turtle soup or they had the turtle soup summit with uh, Donald Trump and Mitt Romney? Yes. And Mitt Romney was trying to get some cabinet position or whatever. I think during that turtle soup summit that Trump just saw right through Romney. I think Romney's really easy to see through and what just a vapid neocon piece of shit that he is. And that's why I don't think that there was any room for Romney to be in the in the Trump cabinet. You know, I've had some, just like everybody else, I've had some reservations and questions about the people that, you know, Trump surrounded himself with. But, you know, in retrospect, you know, you go from being a, a real estate, a real estate magnet mogul to being the president of the United States. So you're thinking you're surrounding yourself with people who've been in Washington, but you don't realize they're part of the machine and you're not part of the machine. And so since you're not part of the machine, if you're not going to play along, they're going to push you out. And that's what we saw when all the generals came in as, you know, as chiefs of staff. And they just turned out to be, you know, some of the worst human beings in the world, like General Kelly, General Mattis. They were just completely awful. They were, they were terrible as chiefs of staff, and they were just terrible, terrible for the country. Um, but what wasn't terrible for the country is the fact that we have Veterans Day, which comes along every year at this time, where we celebrate everybody who joined the military, whether it's Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard that everybody makes fun of, Space Force. Space Force? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's all the time to, like, kick back and say, hey, you did something really cool that, you know, not many in, in, in the United States have done is, you know, taken that oath, gone, you know, to boot camp, done your commitment, come out or stay in, make it a career. And so, you know, Veterans Day is just a good way to honor that. And in New York City, of course, we had a lots of Hamas enthusiasts who decided not to celebrate Veterans Day weekend, but instead they chose to do this. Happy Veterans Day. You know, I don't mind tearing down the United Nations flags. Yeah. But for fuck's sake, man, it's Veterans Day weekend. It's the American flag. I'm so sick of these people burning the flag, tearing the flag down, wrapping themselves up in jihad masks and going around terrorizing people, saying all kinds of cruel shit against, the, uh, against Israel and Jewish people. But to see that, it's like, eh, try it. Try and get away with doing that 
in any Islamic Republic around the world, man. Go to Jordan, climb up a light pole there and tear down a Jordanian flag and see what happens to you. Uh, that's that, that we talked about. I think it was on Thursday um, last week. Uh, I saw a video where this woman's like, I, you know, proudly stand stand here as a woman. I'm standing for Palestine and you know Hamas. All that, and you know, we got to do that. And then it cuts to a guy's like, yes, because that's what the Hamas leaders really love are strong, independent women yeah. thinking for themselves, not covering their whole head and garments to only see their eyes. That's what they really, really see. Go over there. They're just going to kill you. If you do, they're going to behead you or they're going to, you know, put, lock you up, whatever it is. So, you know, yeah, do that there. Watch. Watch what happens real quick. You're not going to be on, on Hamas's side or Palestine's side any day of the week. No, not at all. It, it, that's where we get into this whole, this whole this oppressor versus victimhood ideology, man. And that's why when people, especially young kids, Gen Z, see themselves as some sort of victims and seeing all this credit, all this stock that they can put into victimhood instead of being a winner of whatever they do, find out how I can be a victim, how I can be oppressed. And that's why you see the trans movement the way that it's going because it's one way to supersede your race is your sexual orientation. So me being a white man, if I decided to become the world's most hideous woman with beard, hair, and all, then all of a sudden that would take away from me being white. And so I could be part of the aggrieved class. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of people, with a lot of white people who are joining this movement and also black and Hispanic people that are joining this movement is the fact that they believe that even though the blacks and Hispanics are intersected, but they still feel like they have commonality with the Palestinians or the Hamas enthusiasts because they both see themselves being a part of oppressed groups. So you mainly just have every malcontent that we have in the United States getting together under another flag now over the summer it was the lbgtq plus flag now we're seeing the palestinian flag as being the battle flag for this next round uh, of protests or i i think they're rallies i don't think they're protesting anything they seem like you know war cry rallies yeah. to me no I, I think i was telling you during football this and i saw a pro uh jewish like a pro uh, israel commercial and I, I literally had to take it i rewound it because i was like did i hear this right because before all this you, f you felt like everyone was pushing this but now they're sitting here talking about no we need to protect the jewish people here not only here in america but overseas as well like we got and i was like it blew my mind i was like wait all i've been hearing on all mainstream media is you know islamophobia, islamophobia. <laughs> and now here they are on football you know it, it, it costs a lot of money Oh yeah. To on, on, in any market, even if it's on the local channels, to to advertise during football, and they got that out there. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, they got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got a lot of money. Yeah. I'm not gonna say who. But I'm, but I'm just saying, even with a lot of money, if the if they don't agree with the branding of that commercial because it doesn't fit the brand of that channel, they're not gonna allow it to go out on air. They're gonna right. say, no, 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 we, we we're full on times. We're good. We don't need your commercial. But they they allowed it to air, which I thought was fantastic. Right, and, and I'm glad that they did because the, the coverage that we've seen as opposed to these pro-Hamas rallies, as opposed to the actual anti-Semitism that has been going on. I mean, look at the story that happened in Ventura last week of the elderly Jewish man that got, skull, that got bashed in the skull 
with a megaphone, Gosh. fell on the ground, hit his head, and died. And we were talking about the uh, the NBC headline saying, you know, Jewish protester falls down and dies yeah. in protest. Forget to mention that it was bludgeoned by a. He was bludgeoned to death <laughs> by, by a pro Hamas enthusiast yeah, with a megaphone. Yeah. Gosh. And then, and then what they do, and this is another telltale sign with how dishonest the media is, because whenever a suspect is arrested, if it's a white person or somebody that fits the narrative that they have, usually a white person, they will release the name and picture and the manifesto or whatever it is that they know about this person and harangue the the families to, to the family of the suspect to get some kind of a quote or sit down interview or whatever they can but when it's somebody when the suspect is somebody that doesn't fit the narrative oh goodness we're never going to know anything about this person it was a mystery person you know they just kind of showed up and they got arrested and that's all you need to know that somebody was arrested for this crime and we're going to move on from here to the next shiny object it's yeah. just it's complete. It's completely maddening to see that kind of dishonesty in the press, but that's something that we have to get used to. Even though I did read an article naming the guy, and I, I you know, I'm not sure where he's from. I did see a picture of him. He did his, you know, his last name did end in a vowel, so <laughs> and then had like two consonants like toward the end with the vowel. So, you know, could he have been of Middle Eastern descent? That would be my guess. No, yeah, you were talking about how, you know, the news doesn't do that. I remember when I was, uh, you know, in high school and college, especially when you're learning about news and all, you know, what they're supposed to be doing, like there's rules. You don't take sides. Show both sides, especially in journalism. you got to show both sides of the story so that people can figure it out for themselves. And shame on me for believing that like I had, a, I had teachers who actually taught that and they were like, this is what it should be. And then you go and watch CNN. You're like, Oh wow. Like, man, if that, if, you know, cause you believe that's what they're doing wholeheartedly. Cause that's what they get, they get paid to do. Right. And then they come out and you're like everything, every they, they showed themselves with everything with the Trump stuff and Russia collusion and all that stuff. And they, every journalist, every news outlet showed their real cards. And it's like, man, I, for so long, I believe everyone believed it. For so long, oh, yeah. and then now it's just like ugh, I'm a complete idiot. But we didn't know any better before then. But then once Project Veritas started coming out and doing all these things, it shed lights on so many areas. We're like, man, they got me, right. <laughs> but not anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. And so I hate the fact that they didn't. They're like, oh man, fell and hit his head and died. That's awful. Right. Tell the news. Well, in. England, they celebrate Armistice Day, which is marked with a day of remembrance, where you've seen a lot of, you know, British t uh, broadcasters that wear the poppies, the, yeah. that little red mm -hmm. uh, flower-ish looking thing with the black dot in the middle yeah. of it. So in London, there was, there was a husband, husband and wife at the train station who were either passing out the poppies or selling them or whatnot, and some cultural enrichers who were also in the train station came up and confronted them and we've got the video of that is that this or it's no? not this one it is it, there it is not that there there you go all right here we go 
come to a point right now at least england has with the, with their police it's the the english citizens who are standing up for themselves who don't want to be bullied by the cultural enrichers all of a sudden become the bad guys there's been other videos on social media of a guy with a with a with a union jack flag who is just standing out in front of, of a business as the cultural enrichers were walking by and the police grabbed this old man, took his flag, and I don't know if they arrested him or repatriated him to his house or whatever, but all of a sudden, citizens of that country who've spent their entire lives there, some, you know, in public service or in the military, are now the problem. Does that sound familiar? That couldn't be going on here, could it? No, 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 not at all. Huh. That almost sounds like some sort of revolutionary thing where, where the revolutionaries are, are given special treatment because they're in a aggrieved class. It's weird how all of this is working together. If you're in an aggrieved class, you can get away with a lot more than somebody who is from an oppre a, a presumed oppressor class. And we're seeing this being played out in London right now, and to a certain degree, we're seeing seeing it being played out on the streets of the United States. We just saw that guy who climbed up that the uh, the light pole and started tearing down the American flags. If we would have started tearing down the gay pride flags or Palestinian flags, you could bet your ass that the police would have shagged his ass off that light pole, and he would have been arrested and arrested for a hate crime. I was going to say, remember the guy who did the burnout on the painted road? Right. Pride flag was a hate crime. Like, well, don't paint your flag on a road. Then. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, well, you don't want anyone to drive on it, and then he he burns it? Like, whatever. Right. And uh, one of the issues that I've always had with the term hate speech or a hate crime is, well, with the, we'll take them uh, one at a time. With a hate crime, you're adding the value of somebody's life. You're, you're, you're adding more value to somebody's life who is from one of the protected classes. In our justice system, in our judicial system, everybody's life should be the same, should be valued the same, and it's not. So when your baseline is saying these people have more rights than these people do when it comes to the prosecution of crimes, you're starting at an un—you're uh, uh, starting at— 
an unlevel playing field. And it's only going to get worse from there because now not only does that, that trickles over into the street. So when you have people who are breaking the law, who see themselves as an oppressed class, and then you have mayors, chiefs of police, members of the uh, command staff and some of these law enforcement agencies who also view these people who are committing crimes as being part of an oppressed class, you're not going to, you now you're, you're not going to start enforcing laws the way that you should when laws are across, when should be enforced across the board. So if you have somebody from a perceived oppressed class who's lighting a fire, you're going to let them light that fire. Whereas if you see somebody who is from an oppressor class, you're going to go in there right away and arrest them. And that's what we're seeing taking place in London and in other parts of England in real time and also in New York City. And speaking, is this New York City the one that you've got queued up right this, now? This one says England. Oh, this is not. Yeah, this is another another uh, London Hamas rally. So let's go ahead and take a look at this one. All I can say is the London police better start doing some cardio and taking some ground fighting training because this is only going to get worse from here. If you're not going to take any kind of control over the streets, then pull your guys off the streets and just let, you know, the, the Hamas enthusiasts run wild. Let them take over buildings. Let them torch shit because they're going to do it anyways. And all you do is have your people out there who are just going to get bombarded and pelted with bricks and rocks and all kinds of shit. They're just... They're human targets at this point. And, well, it goes with, with the whole leftist philosophy where, okay, if we arrest two protesters and we have eight police officers who are injured, that's okay. That's equity. We can't have, you know, we, one side can't be overwhelmed over the other. And especially if you're the side that's in charge uh, of enforcing the laws. So, you know what? We got one more clip from England over the weekend from London. And, of course, it's protesters doing my favorite thing that they do, block streets. This one? Yeah. Mass Muslim prayer in the middle of the street, blocking up traffic. This is unbelievable. In the United States, we had somebody arrested for reading the Bible. Yeah. Outside an abortion clinic. Not doing anything, just reading the Bible. It, it goes back to that whole victim-oppressor attitude, where I can guarantee you that in some of the cities around the United States, we're going to see the same type of shit on our streets. You imagine, Disco, just imagine... Go with me in this imaginary trip. I don't usually don't like to go on imaginary trips with you, but this one I'll, I'll, I'll oblige. Thank you. <laughs> Just imagine 
any denomination of a church, just uh, let's say you're a Lutheran preacher, okay, and you decide to hold, hold mass right outside here on Beach Boulevard, <laughs> how quickly does that get shut down? Really quick. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If you're a Muslim cleric and you bring all your other followers and your Hamas enthusiasts out there and how to have a call to prayer, how quickly does that get shut down? I mean, Beach Boulevard, Duval County, Jacksonville is a totally different kettle of fish. Let's just say that we are in somewhere, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's rewind it back to the Lutheran Church. Someone would come up, hey, do you have a permit to be here? Oh, no, I don't. I just felt like doing it this, uh, you know, we, we just thought it'd be good to bring it out to sh- share the love of Christ. Cool. You're getting arrested. Awesome. Here, they're not going to ask for a permit or nothing. Say, hey, they have a right to religion and freedom and they can do whatever they want. And we're just going to be here to make sure that they're safe. That's what would happen. Yeah. If it was Muslim clarity. If it was, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? They would just like, let them do their thing. They're fine. Yeah. It's okay. We'll hold traffic. Yeah. As soon as they're done, they can be on their way. That's the double standard that we're living under. And, you know, you just—I get into arguments all the time and conversations with people about, well, you're just being harsh. And it's like, no, I'm not being harsh. If you're going to have a standard for one group, the standard needs to be applied across all groups. Not one group can have a different standard and a different standard for another group. It's just not going to work that way. Society will eventually collapse in on itself. And as we're seeing, it's already starting to collapse because we're seeing two different justice systems going on right now. We see one for Democrats and we see one for conservatives. We see Democrats all the time getting away with, in some cases, murder. (laughs) In other cases, you know, getting away with, you know, lying on firearms, background checks, drugs, you name it, Uh, income tax, tax evasion, totally getting away with it. And then you see people from January 6th who weren't even in D.C. going to jail. There was a massive manhunt for a guy who got let in by Capitol Police and just kind of walked through. And the HRT team shows up at his house, probably not wanting to take him alive, but he's not there. And he wised up and turned him in, turned in, turned himself in before they could, you know, suicide him or whatever. But it's not just London that's having problems. Check out what's going on in the great state of Texas. Austin, Texas. That was in Texas. You've got people, you have cowboys on horseback with Palestinian flags, pro-Hamas flags, flying them around on the streets of Texas. What is going on? I, In a million years, I never thought that I would ever see an image like that. And it goes back to what I said in the beginning, that if you've got a bunch of white people who feel like that they are not a part of of an aggrieved class, they're going to figure out a way to join an aggrieved class. So if you look back at that video, you can see some, uh, you know, some of the protesters out there or the enthusiasts out there who are white. And in, in, in look, always look for the fat white chicks, because right now I can tell you like that one right there in the corner with the drum, 
Got you. That one right there in the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Because first of all, they don't know how to wear the the jihadist rags on their heads. They just kind of put them on and they try and tie it in like some sort of cutesy manner. And that one girl that walked through frame right there, she didn't know how to wear it either. And all they are, they're they're just liberal larpers, man. They're they're trying to like be down with the cause, so they're going to whatever towel store that they can grab and grab a schmaga and put it on and say, hey man, I'm down with the cause. It's all cosplay at this point. You know, it, it's their way of engaging in cosplay. Instead of going to like a Renaissance fair, now they're going to, you know, a, a jihadist Renaissance fair. And that's what we're seeing in, in Austin of all places. But Austin's gotten really blue and really weird. They've got a socialist mayor. And here, there's another video from Austin over the weekend. Texas. Yeah. Even though Austin is a weird place and a bit different, you've got all these blue state refugees that have moved from the shitholes that their politicians have destroyed from Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco. They've all descended into Austin and have made it so much worse for everybody there. And this is just a culmination of all those shitheads moving there when they're fleeing the failed practices that got their cities into these messes and now going down to, to Austin and trying to recreate the same magical dystopia that they just fled from. Well, I mean, and, and it's all, you know, n nothing against, you know, hey, they're doing the smart thing too, but they're also probably following the companies they work for. For years, major corporations have been moving their companies from their liberal states to Texas. Texas has the, when it comes to the land, the cost of land for these buildings, it's so cheap. So they're doing that. And then they're able to move people there. Uh, you know, housing might be more expensive, but the company got that land for this massive, uh, you know, ca campus in, in, da in Texas, Dallas, Austin, wherever. And so everyone's moving there. And like you're saying, they're bringing their own politics. They're doing all this. And it's just, it was only a matter of time that something like this was going to be happening there. They've been building this up for years, and it's been like a sleeper cell of of liberals moving to Texas. It's been, right. it's just, it's slowly growing and happening. I have family who lives there, and I've, I, and I've seen it, and they don't see it because they agree with those things. But it's like, well, no, like this is what Texas is going to be different. And I know they say, you know, don't mess with Texas, and everything's bigger, and, and like, you know, Texan, like true Texans are loyal and they're never going to leave and they're going to do what they can to fight for their state, but they're losing it right now. Oh yeah. Well, in Texas, the Republican party, you know, at least in the house, the speaker of the house there, God, I can't remember his name. It's like prick or Pren or perm or I'll look it up. He was the guy who evidently appeared drunk at the end of their session. Dade felon. What's that? Dade. Dade. Yes. Felon. Dade. With P-H-E-L-A-N. Yeah. Felon. I don't know. He, he's a socialist. He's 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 one of he's one of these Bush Republicans that are either, you know are a progressive. You know, a progressive can also be a conservative. We always you know link the progressive movement 
to liberals, which, you know, they are. But Teddy Roosevelt, being a Republican, was the very first progressive who believed that big government should determine what everybody does in their lot in life. And Woodrow Wilson put that on steroids, and Barack Hussein Obama took it to the next level of this Marxist revolution that we're going through right now. So that, that guy, Dade Felon, he, for, for all practical purpose, purposes, he is a Democrat because he— you know, he appoints Democrats to specific committees. He he does a lot of bad shit for the, that state, and hopefully he'll be thrown out of office, elected or, or voted out of office, thrown out, recalled, something, because Texas has to do anything that they can to try and right the ship, because I would not be surprised in 2024 if we see Texas flipping blue. That's my big bold prediction. Well, with everyone who's moving there, it's a it's a very big possibility, and it's like like we're saying, it's only a matter of time. You know, when is it going to happen? Not if. It's when is it going to happen? Right. And, and it's when it does, people are going to lose their minds because it's Texas is a big is a big, it plays a big key a big key role for conservatives, right. and we need to win that state. And man. God, if that became a Democrat state, holy smokes. I wonder if they would change the—because is, is Texas open carry? Yeah, Texas is open carry, right? I think so. Yeah. I would I would hope so. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, like that, I wonder if they would change that. You know, there's so many things that would change. You know what? Let's skip this next story, and let's head out west to San Francisco, where Joe Biden is going to be meeting with President Xi and some other world leaders. And so, like every other— classic liberal shithole in america whenever there's a big event happening guess what they do they do what every third world dictator does they go in with the bulldozer and they start plowing out all the homeless people and san francisco is no different than a third world country just check out this video of what london breed and her police have done to clean up the streets of san francisco here we are, downtown San Francisco. And as you can see, they got it blocked off. I'm not a big fan of these barricades. It's sad our country's not safe enough. It's sad they got to put up barricades. Can only imagine how the academy art. So that guy who took the video thinks that our country is so dangerous that they have to put up barricades so President Xi and, and the rest of the world leaders who are going there will be safe. When in all actuality, those barricades are going up to make sure no homeless people can camp out on the sidewalks. Yeah. No, it, it's the, the last time I was in San Francisco, there was this beautiful street, which, which I'm thinking, because I sat there, looked at it, had to like erase all the— tents and homeless people and the needles and everything that was everywhere and be like this would be a beautiful place to be it wasn't destroyed san francisco is to me is the most gorgeous city in america it's gorgeous and they've let it completely get ruined and there and so there was like this traffic i call them ottomans but you know like we're like you know in the middle of like an intersection there may be like a landing where if you cross the street you gotta wait there right but it was like this thing and you couldn't stand there anymore because Homeless people had built this, like, structure with plywood and tarps, 
and they had an address spray painted on the side. Same thing <laughs> in LA where I lived on uh, Highland and and close to Hollywood Boulevard. There was one of those those traffic islands that you were talking about. Dude put in a two story structure. Yeah, like two it, stories, bro. It, it, like literally, I was like I was with someone who was a local there, and I'm like, so how do we cross the street? He's like, well, we were just gonna have to walk around the apartment that's been that's been installed here and it's just like but it's fine it's legal it's okay i literally i was on break from a show that we were doing standing outside just trying because there was no ac and it was in the middle of the summer it was real hot walked outside and then i realized right in front of me is a van and there's a man actively bathing inside his van with the doors open yes and he's just sitting there just naked and he like and he like made eye contact with me and i was like i gotta leave like this is awkward but it's okay. You should have st- stayed there and made <laughs> just, just locked eyes with him. <laughs> I yeah. should have. I have a friend of mine who's six foot eleven, and the very first time that I met him, he's like, "Tom, I got to tell you something. I'm a stand-up wiper. So if I'm ever in the bathroom and I'm standing up, looking over the side, and wiping my butt, you need to make like I break eye don't contact with me." <laughs> I, like, I just said hello to you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but this is Gavin Newsom's response when asked about cleaning up the streets of San Francisco. Folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true because it's true. But it's also true for months and months and months prior to APEC, we've been having different conversations. You know what? I'm actually glad that he came out and told the truth. It's nice to see these communists come out and tell you exactly who they are and what they're doing. I find it refreshing, don't you? Yeah, no, definitely find it refreshing. The only thing I'm really concerned about is the people who created the app in San Francisco to tell you where the human feces are planted. Like, where's that one going to go now? Because now that the streets are clean, there's no poop. Yeah, Like, well, sucks for them, you know. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Somewhere, yeah. There's, there's got to be. Wherever they put the homeless people is where you're going to find the poop. But I'm just—you know what? And, and the sad thing is there's going to be people on the left who are going, well, yeah, of course we've got to clean up the homeless people when we have dignitaries from foreign countries coming through our streets. You know, what, what do you expect? We're not going to have— you know, it's like having somebody come to your house and, you know, not cleaning up. You know, you would never have a dinner party and host a bunch of people and have, you know, your cousin laying on the couch. That just, you know, that wouldn't be proper. That's Richard. He, he's in between jobs right now. Exactly. He, and he doesn't wear pants. I'm so sorry. But, but that just goes to show you this globalist, elitist mindset that they have. They don't care. They don't give a shit about any of the citizens of San Francisco. All they care about is the appearance of these world leaders who are traveling down these streets in San Francisco. That's all they care about. They do not care. They don't care about the homeless. They don't care about, like I said, the citizens. They just don't care. They don't care about the city. They, they're hoping the whole thing collapses so they can rebuild it in this Marxist utopia that they've been dreaming of. Well, no, they're, they're going to—once the dignitaries are gone— and they're going to hold a press conference and be like, look how clean our city is, people. We've yeah. done it. They're going to they're going to go on. It's it's record-breaking. Look how clean. Look what Newsom's done for the city. It's been fantastic. You know, whatever, whoever. Look what Pelosi's done. Whatever. We've cleaned it up. This is fantastic. We're doing great, folks. Vote for me. Thank you know, you. and that's what's going to happen. Everything's <laughs> great. Right before the election, there's no poop anywhere on the way to the polls. 
And if I was a production company, I'd be going to those offices of the political parties and be like, hey, well, now that it's clean, do you want to film some uh, commercials for your campaign? Because the streets are clean, yeah. and it's going to look great. But you know who's going to get the contract for that, and we've seen it before, is Gavin Newsom's wife's production Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> See how it all, it all fits together in a nice, tidy package. Every one of these Democrat politicians— and the, the the supporters that they have who, who fund their campaigns, the super donors, they're all on this little, on this big boat that the rest of us can never climb on. They keep throwing down a little ladder, and every time that we start swimming over to, like, try and climb this ladder, they pull it up. And they're like, you know what? Not this time. So... It's at the end of the hour. We got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, well, there's a couple of things. We've got question of the day. Let's do question of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about question of the day. Okay, question of the day. Where, okay, the way that I have this worded, it can go one of two ways. Where's the strangest place that you've ever went barefoot? And it can all, the strange place can also mean a gross place. Okay. Whether it's the lavatory of a bathroom, or the lavatory of the bathroom, the bathroom on an airplane, Ugh. lavatory. I never understood why they call it a lavatory on a bathroom. I don't know. Everywhere else is a bathroom. Or well, uh, WC in overseas, water yeah, closet. The, uh, squatting pans. Yeah. You ever used a squatting pan? Yes. Fun, aren't they? It, it, and dangerous because you can get dirty really quick. <laughs> Dude, I used a squatting pan once on a train in Sri Lanka. You talk about having to have really good balance and a really good workout for your core. Have you ever used a squatting pan on a Sri Lankan train? No. Uh, I. Lavatory know. is Latin for wash. So There you go. Well, coming up, we didn't get a chance to get to the story in the first hour, but I think it's a really important story. And we'll get to it right after the break. And it's about this Venezuelan family who is very disenchanted with Chicago. And keep in mind, they're illegal, they're illegal aliens in Chicago, and they're pissed. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best stories that I've read today. Okay. It's fantastic. So we'll get to that. We've got a ton more to talk about. Uh, we got to talk about Trump. We got to talk about the UFC fight. I know... That we're not going to get too heavy into sports, but, you know, when sports and politics mix, I think it's, you know, it's a perfect combination of things, especially when Trump bought, brought two guests to Madison Square Garden. Was Let's, it Madison Square Garden? I didn't get to watch it, so I don't know. I can't remember uh, yeah. where the fight was. Anyways, it, it was a pretty good fight. Uh, was it Pereira and Proska? Sound like a Polish name. But anyways, we'll get to that when we get back. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. 
Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Never miss an episode and experience the best live in-show engagement with Drew and the crew on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to Drew's channel to be notified each time he goes live for the best commentary, the best skits, and outstanding guests on the issues that matter to you. You can do so on the Rumble app by searching Drew Berquist, then click subscribe, or by visiting rumble.com forward slash Drew Berquist on your web browser. My business partner Jim and I uh, started Thistle Creek Reserve because we wanted to bring glory to God. We want to be Christ-centered seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our coffee is produced all around the world, some from Papua New Guinea, South America, and Guatemala, Brazil, for example. Beyond the Cup is it's our life motto. It's our way to give back, and it's, for us, our charitable partners. Uh, we partner with the Tim Tebow uh, Ocoa Philippi project to help rescue women and children from sex trafficking. Uh, we partner with Seamark Ranch, a uh, foster care community to help show the love of Christ to children uh, who've really just been abandoned by their families. One of the things that we do is we go back and we support the missionaries that we help get our coffee from so that they can build churches and uh, schools and hospitals and dig wells so that everybody has fresh and clean water. We stand on core conservative Christian values, and we will never shy away from that. But that doesn't mean that we don't love our friends that are across the aisle. We love them all, we wanna serve good coffee to them all, and we want them to know that there's somebody who might not think like they do, that's willing to love them anyway and have a conversation with them. It's gotta be in a different way. Mm -mm. 
Yes, here we are, back for hour two, and nobody likes a quitter, Disco. I know. I never quit, really. I just passed <laughs> out, just to, just to, if someone's keeping score. All right. This second hour is brought to you commercial-free by our friends at The Wellness Company. We're living in times where being prepared is not just a convenience, it's a necessity. Whether it's ge- geopolitical instability, the threats of war, or the increasing occurrence of natural disasters, you could never be too prepared. And let's face it, folks, our government hasn't been doing a great job in, insecure, in, secure, in ensuring our safety. So it's up to us to take matters into our own hands. That's why I'm super excited to introduce to you this medical emergency kit from our friends at the Wellness Company. High-quality doctors are involved with the wellness company, including Dr. Peter McCullough. They provide top-quality wellness products, and let me tell you, they've outdone themselves with this kit. This, can, this kit contains a range of prescription, prescription medications like ivermectin and antibiotics that can prepare you for everything from COVID to the plague. And the best part? These prescriptions are v- available through telemedicine. You don't even have to leave your home to consult with a healthcare professional. Folks, this is the f- future of emergency preparedness. These comprehensive kit, this comprehensive kit is designed to cover a whole range of scenarios, be it natural disasters like hurricanes, earthquakes, or floods, to supply chain shortages, and yes, even the end of the world as we know it's uh, the end of the world as we know its situations. Sorry. So if you're sitting there wondering it is so if you're sitting there wondering if you need this, let me make it simple for you. You absolutely do. Because the question isn't if an emergency will happen, it's when. And when it does, wouldn't you rather be the person who's prepared rather than the one who's scrambling around when it's too late? So go check it out. This is a go check out this must have medical emergency kit, the wellness company. You can get it now at rvmemergencykit.com. Again, that's rvmemergencykit.com. Disco, have you gotten one of these kits yet? Not yet. I've been looking into it. My wife and I are, we're, you know, starting to just like have stuff prepared on hand. We have the emergency food, all that difference of water. It's always set aside. And we were, I was bringing this up to her this week, and we should look into this because this is smart because if we can't get a hold of anyone, it'd be good to have an emergency reserve of medications. Right. Well, I've gotten mine. Yeah? Yeah. And, you know, for the longest time, I've been known as a prepper, and <laughs> I've always had plenty of food, you know, a water filtration system, but it was always the lack of any kind of medical supplies yeah. that I didn't have. It was like, you know, you'd stockpile things that you could get over the counter, but this is a total game changer. I feel so much better about the about my needs, especially here for a hurricane season. Yeah, 
you know it came in handy you know i didn't have to dip into the kit or any of my food supplies for hurricane ian when i went down to help my family but it was nice to know that everything was there just in case yeah. that you know that i had to that there was a need for it no this it's a game changer because everyone always has like the food the canned foods you always have the water we have a berkey water filter that's in our garage it's ready to roll got the charcoal you know filters in there like we're ready to roll with that whenever we need to and the emergency food but this is a game changer for the medications because you always get sick when you least expect it right and then sometimes that happens when a storm hits or god forbid the economy crashes and the stores close or whatever it is so here it is getting medication i feel like that's brilliant so well it's a it's a great kit and i highly recommend it to everybody who's watching right now so let's get to our question of the day we don't do another bell here Oh yeah, we've already done it. Where We've have already I been for the last six months. <laughs> Usually, it's now. Let's hear the answers. Um, okay, let's hear the yeah. answers. <laughs> Ding. Question of the day. Uh, so we we don't have um, any answers rolling in just quite yet because I believe they're they're just now seeing it all. All right. But, so the question was, where's the strangest place that you've ever went barefoot? Barefoot. Where to be for you, Disco? <sighs> I mean, I've been barefoot in an airport before. It wasn't exciting. Like, I didn't plan on it. I just forgot. Like, oh, I'm wearing sandals today, and I'm in TSA. I have been barefoot in a, in a hospital before. That's gross. Yeah. Like, where? Well, were you on, like, a, a floor? Were you a patient? How did this all, how did this barefootness happen at the hospital? So, um, we don't have to, like, go into a deep sob story or anything, but our firstborn, she was born. She never left the hospital. We lived there for six months. Our, even our apartment went up, and we were there. And just, you know, we, my wife and I shared a recliner to sleep in every, like, it was, you get the next six hours, I'll take the next whatever. And it just got, you just felt like home at that point. And it, walk in the hallway barefoot? Yeah. I, oh. Yeah. It was just like, you know, uh, like, it, it, it became like a second nature to me. All of a sudden, I'd be like, I, I'd be talking to the doctor. I'm like, let me go get my sandals <laughs> real quick. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm realizing now I'm you know bare feet on a hospital floor this is kind of disgusting like you just you just forget that you're there because it was we lived there it's what happened so i would say that's probably the strangest place because you don't you think of MRSA and everything it's like it's disgusting and yeah so i mean as a kid growing up especially like you know going to like all the different water parks and stuff in Florida here as a kid, you don't think of it. You're like, I got to go to the bathroom. And you just, as a kid run into like the bathrooms at a water park barefoot. Right. <sighs> just think about that now is just, I need to go home and wash my feet. That's what I really feel like. I need to do now. So I'd say, yeah. Hospital, you know, hospital. What about you? It wasn't, I mean, there, there's been a couple of times where I've had to go barefoot where it was kind of strange. One was at Gandhi's house because you have to go barefoot there or you have to take your shoes off to, like, walk the same steps he walked yeah. out of his house where yeah. he got assassinated. But, I mean, that, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't my choice. I would say I was staying at a men's uh, well it was a man men only tube hotel in japan so i left my tube tube like you like we're staying in a yeah have you seen those where it's like all these tubes stacked up on each other like you go down the hallway and there's like uh, there it's like two two, two or three tubes i can't remember so it's I like the fifth element like 
yeah, setup. It's okay. like an iron lung. It's like getting into an <laughs> iron lung, but it's pretty spacious in there. Okay. Like a little TV in there. And uh, they they play. It was a weird place, man. They they played like they had like a couple of news channels. Then they had like all these porn channels. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the porn channels, everything was blurred. Like the breasts were blurred. Down everything was everything blurred. was blurred. So why even watch it at that point? No, I guess, <laughs> and that's my the whole my one of my hangups with Japanese porn is number one the blurring. And number two, the chicks are always crying in it, which is. Oh, no I'm glad why. that you have hang-ups on Japanese porn. Yeah, it's just it's unwatchable. I think tomorrow's question of the day for Drew is, "What's your hang-up on Japanese porn?" Yeah. See what he says. Storylines are terrible. It's like, I'm like, what are you doing? This, who likes this? So, anyways, the, so in these tubes, you go in there, and you've got a towel to go to the community bath the okay washroom and so i went barefoot down the hallway to the the community shower area which is another weird thing because they're not really showers yet there's buckets in there and you sit on a bucket and you have a little spigot and you throw water on yourself and like it's it's in a circle and there's like all these little spigots all over the place so i'm in there you know throwing the bucket on doing this these two dudes come walking in, like these two Japanese dudes who are like, you know, middle-aged businessmen. And I'm like in my early 30s at the time. They come and they like sit right next to me and one's smoking a cigarette and they're, you know, and they're both like really comfortable being naked and like wanting to engage in like conversation with me in broken English, but not like like any kind of sex thing it's just like just wanting to chit chat it's like <laughs> now that we've caught you we'd like to tell you about our our pyramid scheme <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly we got so you like this place we got you know a couple of tubes you might be interested in <laughs> up on the 15th floor so we call it the players club if you want to go up there and check it out but yeah it's, it's no it was a weird but yeah so all right so that you're barefoot there yeah i you know i come to think of it now um, there was one time I was in, um, gosh, Chihuahua, Mexico. Right. And um, we were there on a mission trip, and I was barefoot in the streets there because I gave a kid a pair of my sandals. You know, it was like, you know, we were, you know, saying goodbye to everybody, and he had the same size feet as me. And he was barefoot, and he never had shoes ever. I was like, here, take my sandals. And I gave them to him, and so walking on the streets there, surprised I Very don't nice. have any diseases yeah you didn't get an athlete's foot or anything no nothing dude i once got scabies from a hotel room in tijuana yeah it was awful on my arm and on my legs and it was terrible have you ever had scabies i've never had scabies no it's it's awful i would i don't that's also crabs right no no no, it's something totally different i thought it was like the same no crabs and lice are are, are in the same family okay you know scabies is like it I'm, it's like this weird rash that gets all over you. I guess. See, now you're making me itchy. <laughs> I know, but you know, when you tell people, they're like, oh my God, you had an STD. And it's like, no. No, that scabies <laughs> isn't. Yeah, yeah. I just thought they were in the same realm, those yeah, two. But no, I, they might be like mites or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was painful. It, it took like a month to finally get rid of it. You know, is it. It was a combination of like topical creams and antibiotics, and finally got got rid of it. And I wasn't even barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Who would have thought? Exactly. All right, so let's get to the story of this Venezuelan family. <laughs> Sorry, Magellan DeMarco said plot twist. Japanese people have blurred genitals from birth, so that's... <laughs> uh, so it's not just the blur. Yeah. Well, Magellan, why do they cry during... <laughs> I can't... I, that's like a it's just so weird to me we'll see if he responds but we can move on to the next story and we'll see if he responds to that <laughs> yeah I, you know, I mean it's just one of those like mysteries you know why why do you have why do you bring two you know bottles of Prell shampoo to a whorehouse in Vietnam and get an automatic $20 off there's just no explanation for it oh wow not that you, I was going to say, do you know that from experience? or <laughs> That's what I've heard. We need to have a sit down with you, Tom, and hear all your dark stories. <laughs> no, I heard that. Yeah, I was told that story by a good friend of mine who worked for an alphabet agency. He's like, yeah, when you go there, make sure that you bring plenty of Prell shampoo. Like, okay. get $20. 20 off. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So this story comes from the New York Post, and I was reading it today, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And it's about this Venezuelan family who's become disenchanted with Chicago. And keep in mind, this Venezuelan family, (laughs) they're illegal aliens. They don't like their accommodations known too much in the Windy City. What? Yeah. So let let me just read a little bit from this article here. Some Venezuelan migrants who trek for thousands of miles... Thousands of miles to the U.S. in search of a better life are so disheartened, they say they're already heading back home, which it's, this story's starting off pretty good. <laughs> if we could just have, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 million more that follows suit yeah. and kind of get a handle on everything. Michael Castion, 39, told the Chicago Tribune that he had enough after he and his wife and teenage stepdaughter spent five months sleeping either in a police precinct or in a crowded city shelter in, in the now brutally cold, windy city. He didn't like, they didn't like their accommodations. So they left. <laughs> well, not quite yet. They, okay. They haven't, they haven't gone so far. He has also been able, unable to secure a job permit or enroll his daughter in any local school. Two of the main reasons they thought they thought would bring a better life in the U.S. So they thought that, you know, having a school and getting a job. Yeah. First of all, if you're an illegal and you're having problems getting a job, it's not the fact that you can't get one. It's you. There are plenty of people out there who will beg, you know, well, will embrace getting somebody where they only have to pay them five dollars an hour and that's pretty much what you're going to get if you're an illegal coming into this country yeah i mean that's just that's just the way it is folks it's you're you're going to be exploited because you're illegal yeah no i mean you see it every day people out at like home depot parking lots or fields where they're just sitting there waiting for someone to come and say we need you to come with me you know, and they and they'll take it. Those, you know. So yeah, you're right. There's there's something wrong with you if you can't get any job at all. Yeah, at all. I know. I go to Home Depot all the time and grab an illegal to choke me while I play with myself in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that. No, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. <laughs> 
Did I just overshare? I think you did. I really think you did. Should we just, you know, end the show now? Be smart. Be safe. Be free. All right, let me get back to the story. The American dream doesn't exist anymore, Castone told the paper on the eve of his family's departure. Oh, so they are leaving. So in, in some ways, he's kind of right. You know, the American dream is kind of over for some people because— all these leftist policies and all these progressive policies, both on the left and the right, have, for a lot of people, just taken the American dream of home ownership, a job, a car, starting a family, all off the table. You know, we've got all these kids who are in massive student loan debt with stupid degrees that nobody wants, and they come out of college thinking that employers owe them something and also that whatever business that hires them the whole business model should change based on their schedules and their belief system so yeah this this venezuelan dude's you know a little bit correct there when it comes to you know the american dream and how the american dream seems to be on its last legs all right back to the story more than twenty thousand migrants have made their way have made their way to Chicago since August of 2022 when Republican Governor Greg Abbott began loading them on buses and shipping them to sanctuary cities. See how they always have to go back to blaming Republicans. It's like, you know what? We have a very, we've got open borders and we have all these people who don't speak English and they don't look like us down at the border. And we just want to keep them in Texas. We don't want them to come up here, but we can't say that out loud. That's what they want. None of these blue cities, we saw this, you know, there, there was never a better case in point than there was in Martha's Vineyard when DeSantis sent that airplane. I'm like, oh, we're so glad that the migrants are here. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna be so enriched culturally by them. Now get the fuck out. <laughs> That's what we saw. Yeah. You motherfuckers, don't fucking, you know, don't keep your eye, uh, don't take your eyes off them because they steal. But they're quite, they're, they're so delicious to have here. We just love each and every one of them, but it's time for them to go. We want you in our country, just not by us. Yeah. <laughs> we want you in our country. We want you to vote, you vote the way that we tell you to vote. And we also want you to mow our lawns, wash our dishes, and look after our kids while we go to cocktail parties. That's pretty much what they're saying. Yeah. And, you know, be happy with the, six dollars an hour but if you're on schwarzenegger you end up having a boy <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah many of them ended up sleeping at o'hare international airport and local police stations in the streets castone and his family were among numerous disheartened asylum seekers now we're asylum seekers who have decided to leave chicago in recent weeks as they weather the windy, as weather in the windy city has grown colder and wetter. No kidding. <laughs> Coming from Venezuela, going to Chicago, ooh, that's going to be a culture shock. Yeah, it's like huge. when people from you know Canada come down to you know Florida, South Florida in August. Yeah, it's like whoa. You know, you see this pasty white skin just get all red and. You ever go into an airport and while you're waiting for a flight, <laughs> you kind of like, you know, just kind of like look at people and what they're wearing. There's there's a game I like. Yeah, people play. watching. Yeah. Yeah, people watching. There's a game that I like to play called Canadian or Lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, my wife and I always just play 
like you know what you know where are they going or why they why is the married couple not talking that's what we usually end up doing then we, we narrate both of their voices just to each other so that's what we do yeah. But Canadian. Canadian or lesbian? Yeah, it's, it's a new a one. Game. Gonna add add it into the mix. Very very similar wardrobe styles. Flannel shirts. Not necessarily flannel, but you know we're talking like REI gear with the hiking socks, and you oh, know yeah. sometimes if they're going to a tropical environment, it's like water shoes. Yeah. Or, you know, just adventure gear. Those zip off pants. Yeah, or, or it could be Canadian, lesbian, or Democrat, because when I lived in Santa Fe, everyone was dressed just like that. Yeah, they stepped out of an REI yeah. magazine. Yeah. There's another game I used to play in Southeast Asia with my sound guy called Tourist or Pedophile. And oh, God. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it was pretty easy to spot. You just wait for a flight from, like, Frankfurt to land, <laughs> and any unescorted German coming off that plane, pedophile. Pedophile. The other ones are scuba divers. Okay. Totally fine, because they yeah. usually have their chicks in tow with them. All right, back to the story. Some suggest that that they had been drawn to Chicago after being wrongly led to believe that they could be swiftly granted asylum status and work permitted, paving their way for a better life. Oh, see, now we're getting back to Greg Abbott in Texas misguiding them to trick them to get on the bus. See how they do this? It all goes back to the fact that it's the the left always engages in the soft bigotry of low expectations. So for them, anybody who has, you know, more melanin in their skin isn't capable of understanding when they've been tricked or not or isn't capable of reading or isn't capable of getting an I.D., we see this time and time again, and so now they're saying, oh, these poor people were misled by Greg Abbott and the mean old Texans there, who now are on the verge of turning into a blue state. Here we go. Others said they have realized that Chicago's limited resources have been depleted by waves of migrants that have overwhelmed the Democrat-led sanctuary city over the past 16 months, leaving the latest newcomers with nothing but scraps. Well, no shit. (laughs) You can't have an influx of 200,000 people that have no jobs, no way to take care of themselves, and no money. What do you expect? You don't have the infrastructure set up for it. We don't know—nowhere in the United States do we have the infrastructure set up to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. And so all we're seeing right now— for all these Democrat sanctuary cities being overrun with people they can't take care of. You know, it's so easy to have these these slogans and, you know, and prey upon people's sympathies and saying, oh, we're a sanctuary city. There's no such thing as an illegal. And all, all these bumper, sti- bumper sticker quotes and everything, you know, coexist. You know, immigrants enrich all of our lives. Yeah, they do. We're all immigrants. I get it, man. I get the whole melting pot thing. But in order to have this melting pot, you need people who have been properly health screened. You need people who have background checks, who can add to the diversity of the country by bringing something in that's of value. Right now, we're just seeing floods and floods and hordes of hordes of people 
that bring no intrinsic value to this idea, to this experiment. And the experiment and the idea will fail if you have people who just want to suck off the system and demand that their culture be incorporated into our culture. And that's what we're seeing. We just played the video of the Palestinians on horseback in Austin, Texas. If you're going to, if immigrants, if illegal aliens are going to come in here, balkanize, live in their own communities, not take the time to assimilate, then our country will no longer stand. Assimilation has been has been the greatest thing for our country and has kept our country going for over 200 and close to 250 years now. But the moment that you start bringing people in that don't want to assimilate, don't want to take on the American culture, value their culture, their country more than their adopted homeland or their adopted new country, your country ceases to exist because what happens? What happens, Disco? We saw it in London. All of a sudden, the oppressor and the oppressed, you see that whole dichotomy working out. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've got these poor people who've come from third world countries who are just victims. They were victims and exploited from the countries they fled, and now they've come to the United States where they're getting exploited again, and they their victimhood status actually has more value here than it does there. And you know what? They can't really break any laws because they're the victims. How's a country supposed to survive when you go when you start when you keep using this victim oppressor status or this victim oppressor baseline? It'll, you you can make excuses for anybody as long as they fit the the right victim group. You can make an excuse for anything that they do, whether it's they molest a child. Well, that's part of their culture. You know, he he comes from you know Pakistan, where as soon as a, a girl gets her period, that means she's ready for sex. Oh, but she's only twelve. But that's part of his culture. He can't be held accountable for that. That's why we have laws that need to be applied to everybody the same across the board. And we're very close to losing that. And we're very, very close. And some of these protests that we've seen around the country or these Hamas rallies that we, that we see, we, I've heard chants of Sharia law now. Sharia law now, really? So now we're going to have even another, we already have two parallel justice systems, so now we're going to add a third for Sharia yeah. to make sure that all the Muslims who want to practice Sharia will be covered and work through that judicial system. That'll work out real well. I mean, who knows? We may as well give it a shot. Obviously, the, this, you know, the, this parallel law, judicial system we have now isn't working. So, may as well, you know, let's bring on a third. <laughs> Why not? You know what? Let's bring on a fourth, a fifth. Let's just make, you know, let's have our own judicial systems for whatever victim group we are. I think the laws for the LGBTQ community should be totally different <clears throat> from cis male and females. Don't yeah. you? Uh, I think it's crazy. <laughs> I, so to me, what I feel bad, I mean, where, where I think it's messed up is you have, I have friends, you probably have friends that, you know, their families fled asylum to America years ago, did it the right way, they assimilated, then they you know, took their time and then they became U.S. citizens and they, you know, they took the test and all that stuff. And it was a big deal. Very emotional for them to drop 
where they came from and say, I'm an American now. But they're very proud of it, that I'm, I'm an American now. They're very proud that they got to do that. And now it, it doesn't matter anymore. These people can just come over and do whatever they're going to do. They're allowed to live here. They can get jobs. Heck, in Chicago, you can become a police officer. It's fine. You can be an illegal. It's fine. You know, it's, it, they're just ta- they're taking everything away. Not, not only from us who, you know, you know, hey, my family came over from Poland during, you know, when Hitler was trying to get, you know. You know how, you know how Hitler invaded Poland? I'm sure I remember, but I can't off the top of my head. The Nazis marched in backward and told them that they were leaving. That's my Polish joke of the day. <laughs> Thank you for that. I honestly thought you were going <laughs> to no. drop something good, and you got me. I got you. You got me really good. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but you're sitting there going, hey, you know, everyone else has done it the right way. Right. That's come, what's so frustrating about this. Come and do it the right way, and you're more than welcome to be here. But if you're going to come in here and— not do it the right way, take jobs, rape women, you know, kill people, all this stuff. Like, stop it. You can't do that. That's why there's a vetting process to begin with. Right. But if you're not going to do that, sorry. It, it, you know, stay where you're at. But. Well, we've lost our cultural identity as far as Americans go. You know, we, we have a lot of people that are of, you know, some Gen Xers, some millennials, a lot, you know, Gen Z that they would much rather be something else than American. They've been taught, they, they've been indoctrinated to hate this country and to hate what it is to be an American. I mean, you think about it, whenever, you know, when I used to work on The Amazing Race and I'd come back, you know, from doing a show and, you know, travel to a few different countries, come back, talk to family and friends, and inevitably I would get the question, do foreigners hate us as much as we think that they hate us? And I'm like, no, quite the opposite is true. Most everybody loves Americans and wants to talk to you about coming to the United States and what it's like to live there. But we have this sort of problem of self-loathing. You know, it's like being like overly humble about something. You know, America is not a perfect place, but to a lot of other people who live in d- different countries, it's a very aspirational place. You want to get there because you're going to have the opportunities that you're not going to have in the country that you come from. And a lot of people in foreign countries see that. And so now we have a lot of people living in our country who are like, oh, yeah, I'm an American. It's so boring. I kind of wish, you know, that I uh, had a different nationality. That's why you see, like, the rise of, like, 23andMe and all these other DNA companies coming out because it's it's a, just another way to erode what it is to be an American because Americans who are looking to be something else have now can, can now you know give some of their spit to a company and say okay you know your your family came from you know Rhodesia by way of Argentina you know Argentina so you know you're three-quarter Argentinian and, you know, a quarter Rhodesian, you know? And so now that gives them something to identify with. You know, one of those commercials that I was watching, and I can't remember the company, but I remember it was an African-American chick, and she was talking about, you know, growing up in the United States and not having any sort of identity or whatever. And so in the first part of the commercial, you know, she's dressed in regular Western wear, like Western Western style, not like cowboy western clothing and then she's 
finds out that she's from Ghana. And at the end of the commercial, she's in total Ghanaian garb. And it's yeah. like, I never would have known my history and my culture if I wouldn't have, you know, gotten my DNA tested. And that's a perfect example of somebody who they feel like they have no connection with the United States because for the most part, we've erased it from our DNA, what it means to be an American and what it means to identify as an American. And, you know, I don't know, I'm sure this woman was an actor, but to me, it reinforced the fact that, you know, she would rather identify as something, uh, as, as a, identify as a culture that generations upon generations came from she has more of an identity with that than she does of the country that she grew up in, which I think is is quite devastating and quite a shame. It also shows us where we're at as far as, you know, of being able to save our own culture. And I, at this point, it, it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good. I, I To me, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised we could fast forward the clock like 10 years. I know a lot of people here don't like the Olympics and stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if we had less American athletes. You know, usually we are, you know, it's like China and, and us are up there with the most athletes that come to the Olympics. I would not be shocked if America became more towards the bottom. And, but it's like, well, this person is actually American, but they've decided to play for Ghana, or they've tried, they've decided to represent. Oh, yeah, yeah, you the know, snowboarder chick that uh, uh, went to the Japanese, uh, the, the Chinese, Chinese team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, also, she didn't make the American team, so then she went and, and did. But it was, a, she said, it was a very big honor, it was a great honor to yeah. to represent her mother's country because her mother's from country from China and all. So it was great that she did that. But I wouldn't see if we have more of that. Not like I didn't make the team. Like, no, I'm deciding. To re- not represent the country that I was born in, but what, where I my blood tells me I'm from. Yeah, and and it stinks because the American pride has just gone down so much. And like you said, people when you were in over other countries, they 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 were wanting to get to know you because they are aspiring to become some something like you. Right. I want to be as free as you. I want to be able to do what you can do or what I've always dreamt of doing. But I'm held by, you know the. Whether it's different laws or my economic status, wherever I'm at in the country I'm in now, but I know I the sky's the limit in America. That was right. the dream, the American dream. Yeah, and the American dream now is supporting Hamas. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> supporting a terrorist group and then marching around saying from the river to the sea and and all other kinds of horrific shit, and then dressing up, you know, in your terrorist rags, your terrorist headscarves, thinking that you somehow cool because you're with this you know resistance organization and there's apartheid going on and there's concentration camps happening in israel and i don't know about you but i have started looking at like you know gaza and the west bank and you know it looked like some pretty solid real estate it didn't look like that it was you know like some like place in a shambles it's in a shambles now because of all the bombing that was going on but it looked like a pretty dope place i'm going to turn the audio down this is you can just talk over it but this was a video we, we just showed on sean parnell's show battleground live and this is what gaza was right i mean look at that dude you can see that place in like barbados or in florida the beaches are great the water's great well, the architecture is kind of still clean. Cool. I mean, look, yeah. at it. it's a clean There's city. There's no garbage. 
there's you know manicured trees that's the thing man if you the difference between third world countries and first world countries is the amount of litter that's on the ground this is definitely a first world country yeah i mean look at that it's beautiful yeah I, when because i didn't know what this was he sent me the link and i wasn't sure like what what it was and here's people celebrating at a wedding and different stuff but i, I saw that footage and i was going like what what sandals resort is this? Like, because right. I didn't know what it was. And I was looking on my phone. I couldn't read the font that said the Gaza that I knew. And then I pulled up my computer. And I was like, oh, okay. I, like, I realized what this is now. But I literally was like, I thought this was a sandals resort, all-inclusive resort somewhere. <laughs> like, this is beautiful. I want to go here. You I, know, I, I guarantee you the, the white people that are protesting and thinking that the Palestinians, you know, they're thinking that the Palestinians are like this nomadic tribe that like lives in yurts and travels by camels across the desert and there's no infrastructure there and they're just getting bombed to oblivion without realizing that there is an infrastructure set up there and they they were they were given you know they were given the control over their own destiny and they elected Hamas to represent them and to become their government and who governs them it's not like you know that Gaza and the West Bank are somewhere out in the middle of the desert, and I think for a lot of people, you know, especially some shit college lib, thinking that that they're like I said, just like some of these you know sporadic you know nomad villages where everybody lives in yurts and you know rockets are being launched at you know, like refugee camps yeah. almost yeah. Is, is what we're led to believe, and then you see video like that, and it's like holy shit. You know, does everybody know this? I knew this. You know, I I didn't. I can, but but I never spent time studying about Gaza either. But I didn't know that it was like this. Right. But it makes sense. I mean, it's twenty twenty three. Like, there's other places other than America and the UK that can thrive and be healthy, and it right. shows that it's possible. You know. Well, again, from my experience on Amazing Race, we had a contestant team on there. And at the time, I was working with a black South African who was from the Lesotho tribe. And we were, had a long car ride. And the way that show set up, I would sit in the, the, the front passenger seat. And my sound man would sit in the back seat. And you're not always filming on the entire ride. And so he started chit-chatting with the girl in the back seat. And she goes, do you hunt to Jerry? And Jerry's like, hunt? No, I don't hunt. And she goes, well, how do you get your food? Because she knew he was from South Africa. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. She actually thinks that Jerry lives in a fucking hut and, like, you know, goes, like, having to hunt yeah. for his food. Wears a loincloth running around hunting for <laughs> yeah, food. bone through his nose. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, you know, Jerry can drive a car, too. And, it, and her boyfriend was just like, oh, my God, I can't. He's, she's like, he's like, just stop. Stop talking. She's like, what? What? What did I say? <laughs> Jerry's like, no, we have grocery stores there and restaurants. <laughs> but that was her perception. Yeah. You know, she had never met anybody from the continent of Africa before. And I think that's a perception of a lot of young people not meeting people or not having traveled to the Mideast or not even seeing videos or pictures of the Mideast. Thinking that it, it's still like the times of like Casablanca. Well, yeah, well, in all the, th but it's probably all the photos and videos she's ever seen 
are the ones that sh sh like paint that picture. Oh, here oh, they yeah. are. Like they just live in a hut that's made of mud. Yeah, I'm you know, Geo shit. Yeah, and like you know, and oh look, the kid's starving. Like that's probably all she's ever seen. So that's all she knows. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she asked the question and made it uncomfortable because now <laughs> she learned something. Right. And I, and I gotta think there are a lot of kids in college who think the same way. You know, they look at people in the Mid East being like the dude from Raiders of the Lost Ark with the fez and the monkey on his shoulder and thinking, you know, that's what it's like there. <laughs> Gosh, I forgot about that guy with the eye patch. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then the, the bad, 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 bad batch of dates. The monkey eats the dates, and he was dead because he poisoned him. Gosh, great. Scene. Well, speaking about the minis, let's talk about this Gaza hospital. The Israeli Defense Force on Saturday said it will assist in the evacuation of babies at Gaza's largest hospital as Israeli forces continued their ground invasion of the Gaza Strip and a campaign to destroy the militant group Hamas. So this this hospital, Hamas has tunnels in a bunker underneath it where they're waging offenses yeah. against the IDF. And so now they've got the IDF wants to bomb the shit out of this place because it's a command and control structure. But of course, Hamas being the terrorist organization it is, it's surrounding itself with sick elderly people, babies. It, it's innocent civilians. Innocent <laughs> civilians. This is like the ultimate human shield. Yeah. So now the IDF Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari said the IDF will help get the babies into Al-Shifa Hospital, Shifa Hospital's pediatric department to a safer hospital on Sunday following their request for assistance from the hospital staff. The Israeli military has claimed without evidence that Hamas is using Al-Shaifi Hospital, and I love this too, notice without evidence. The military, they, the, this is from a UK Daily Mail, this article. The Israeli, Israeli military has claimed, without evidence, that Hamas is using Al-Shifa Hospital to establish command posts and use civilians as human shields, the Associated Press reported. If you get online, you can see videos of IDF soldiers by the hospital showing you, showing you on the premise where the power cables are yeah. going from, to the command center down there. Let's see. Hamas has remained embedded with the civilian population since the group's October 7th surprise assault on Israel, which left 1,200 people dead, including hundreds of civilians. Israel has vowed, to, uh, has vowed to eliminate the group, which is recognized as a terrorist organization by the United States and several other countries. So, yes, it is a, <laughs> it's not a political movement. It's a terrorist organization <laughs> as defined by our own government. Good. So... <laughs> Following weeks of airstrikes in Gaza, Israeli forces recently launched a ground invasion in northern Gaza, reportedly surrounding the center of the city. Fighting surrounding Shifa and other hospitals has raged on in recent days, with supplies dwindling, dwindling low in the wake of Israelis' blockade of basic necessities. Here we go again. Israelis' blockade of basic necessities. This, again, this goes back to the point of, you know, Operation Restore Hope. When all these UN supplies were going into Somalia and Mohammed Farideed would take the supplies. And so it was the US going in to try and, and regain control over the supplies and dispersion to the people. Hamas is doing the exact same thing. They're taking all the supplies for themselves. They've said it themselves that the UN is responsible for taking care of their civilians and all US aid goes to Hamas. They've said that. And if you, you, 
you can believe me if you want. You can disagree with me all you want. Hamas, I'm quoting them. That's their position on this. That's their stated position. You can look it up yourself. You can do whatever you need to do. You can take my word for it. I take my word for it because that's what they said. And I always take people on their word when they tell me something. And when Hamas tells me that the UN has to take care of their civilians and USAID goes to their military, I believe them. Just as I believe Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram, all of them, when they say they're going to do something, I believe them. Well, I, I just feel like it's, if the U.S. were to read this and say, you know what, let's not send aid, let's not send funding, let's not do any of that stuff because, you know, we don't want to aid to them building their army or, you know, their, you know, funding their military, feeding them, not the civilians. If they were to stop doing that. I bet you a lot of the stuff would start slowing down really quick. And we saw that when um, Trump, like, put even more strict embargoes in Cuba <laughs> and said, we need to stop this because, yes, Obama opened up the borders and to Cuba and we could go there and everything. But all the money that they said that was going to go to the companies for tourism didn't. It went to the <laughs> Cuban army. And, no, and we, no. we started seeing a rise in what their military forces were having and doing and all stuff. And then he's like, all right, well, and then Trump said, we need to stop this because we're— they're they're at our foot. They're they're literally. At, you, know, you could see them from across. You know they're they're right down there in Florida by the Keys. They're just a little little bit away. And you're telling me we're not we we're it's okay that we're funding their army? No, we're not going to fund their army. We're going to stop funding their army. And what happened when we stopped <laughs> like sending tourism over there? We saw a lot of decline in their military activities. <laughs> like it, it, the left always loves dictators and authoritarianism. That's their go-to pivot at all times is authoritarianism. And they love to placate dictators. And that should let you know what the left's ultimate objective is, along with some people on the right, is authoritative control over this country. And they're, they're slowly chipping away at it because we've gotten the youth of America used to the idea of being told what to do and, and them having no agency themselves over, over, over what they're doing with their life or over any kind of freedom that they could possibly have. And they're just prime for the picking of people of Marxists like this to say, okay, here's your lot in life. I hope you're good with it. Well, it doesn't matter if you're good with it. This is what you're going to be doing. Make sure you follow the rules because if you don't, then there's going to be hell to pay. Oh, and by the way, your parents are a problem. If your parents believe in freedom, the best thing you can do to ensure that you'll have a long and prosperous life is to turn in your parents as being dissidents. And then that way you'll be sh you, you'll be safe from them. So that's that's all something that we have to. Sounds uh, really happy. So just to put a button on this story, Tedros, the director of the World Health Organization, our favorite person, said on Saturday that the organization lost contact with its focal points in sh in sh with its focal points. I guess the the their person in charge there in Shifa and reiterated the WHO's call for humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. So, of course, the WHO is not, you know, has chosen sides on this. And you know what? Killing is bad. I oppose it as much as, you know, I oppose killing when it comes to abortion, when it comes to the death penalty. You know, man's natural state is at war. It would be, it would be better if man's natural state was at peace, but unfortunately, that's not the way. And I understand that, you know, 
war is different war is set up by global elites saying hey we want this hunk of land so these people over here are going to go have to fight and it's self-preservation at that point believe me i understand self-preservation i understand hunting i understand all of that my point being is you don't get to attack people kill them take hostages and say okay time out you know we uh, uh we did this to you now you can't do anything to us and that's where we're at now and so for like people like tedros the who everybody else you know talking about how israel shouldn't retaliate well okay tell me what what's what's the proper retaliation then okay so 1200 israelis got killed there's 250 240 hostages right now what's the ratio somebody give me a ratio show me the scale you know what are the palestinians life worth as opposed to the israelis life you know you kill 1200 what is that is that 300 palestinians that they get to kill is it 400 put a number on it you know if you're going to be this methodical about you know the harping so much on israel's response then give us a number but they'll never give you a number because they don't want to be pinned down with anything and plus they would never give you a number because the answer would be zero palestinians because once again the victim oppressor theory that no matter what the victims do to the oppressors the oppressors always deserve it so in the mind of the leftist lunatic the 1200 israelis don't matter those lives don't matter because they were the oppressors and the victims are the freedom fighters so no matter what the oppressors do to retaliate it's it's going to be always be way too much and that's where we see ourselves right now with this conflict and in what's happening with it uh let's see uh one other thing before we go to break i think it's worth mentioning this is kind of a sad story but coming on the heels of veterans uh veterans day weekend i think it's important to remember the five u.s special forces operation soldiers have been identified after they were killed in a helicopter crash in the mediterranean sea the mh-60 blackhawk was on a, on a refueling training mission when it experienced an in-flight emergency and crashed off, crashed off the coast of cyprus on friday the soldiers were named as chief warrant officer stephen dwyer 38 chief warrant officer second class shane barnes 34 staff sergeant tanner grown 26 sergeant andrew southard 27 and sergeant Cade wolf 24. the soldiers were members of the army's elite 160th special operation aviation regiment known as the night stalkers they were among the aviators assigned to carry the commandos on covert missions that's also it's it's just very sad and just also let you know that you know we've got the night stalkers working in that area in the mediterranean sea you know off cyprus we've got two carrier groups in the area we've keep getting you know missile and rocket attacks in you know in our bases in that area it just all this is just you know i know this was a training accident but this you know letting you letting the public know that you know our special operations community is there and public acknowledging it for the first time is 
to me, a step that we're getting closer to having some sort of escalation to this war where American troops are going to be involved at some point. Oh, it was very sad that those guys died in that training accident and our hearts and prayers go out to their families who are, you know, going through a rough time right now. Getting that knock at the door, I know, can't be easy. And hopefully that somewhere down the line, they'll be able to be at peace with themselves with the loss of their loved one. So we should go to a break. Yeah. We'll be right back. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled, it won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared, this may catch many off guard. Your hard earned assets are in jeopardy, but there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. My towels solve the problem that we've all had with towels. You go into the stores and they feel lotiony and soft, but then you get them home and they wind dry you. That's why I made my towels. They actually work, they're soft, and they absorb. And now I'm excited to announce two brand new lines of my towels. What makes them the best towels ever is they're now made with 100% long staple Shapir cotton. This is a combed ring spun cotton that makes my towels even softer and more absorbent than ever. And now you get a six piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98. So go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get my towels for only $29.98. Or you can get my designer premium line for just $20 more. Either way, you save 50% now on all my towels. They actually work. What a concept. This offer won't last long, so please order now. MyPillow.com Get more of Drew, the crew, and this is my show with Coin Club, exclusively on the RVM Network. Coin Club members get a This Is My Show challenge point. Access to Booze and Banter, an exclusive tailgate show for Coin Club members only, right before This Is My Show. Plus, automatic entry into show-related sweepstakes and other in-studio bonuses. And don't forget, members get access to all other premium content on the RVM network. So join the club and carry your coin with pride. All members now receive commemorative challenge coins. Military and first responders get 30% off their memberships. So sign up at dbcoinclub.com. Again, that's dbcoinclub.com.
Are you sure this is gonna be okay? Bro, it's totally fine. Now open up. And four. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Where are my scripts? Oh, right. Here we are. Perfect. Awesome, thank you. Playthrough. Going for the green right now, and ugh, ah! Disco, it's okay, they're just baby teeth. All right, we're back for the third and final hour. Here we I go. Played the, I played the wrong song. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Back for the third and final hour. Are you ready for this third and final hour? I am because I've gotten a teaser of one of the clips that's going to be played later on. We're doing a, a special edition of Welcome to Absurdity. So someone earlier, someone earlier on in the chat said, "Is this going to be like one of those crazy episodes where it's just all stuff like because it's Tom?" Yes. But a lot of people actually back to no, it's going to be great. But we are bringing Absurdia, so we're going to end it up with that. So Yes, end it on a high note before everybody yeah. starts watching Monday Night Football. That's right. It's tonight. Who's playing tonight? Jets? Uh, no, no, the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos. That's right. Denver Broncos suck. And if they get beat by the Bills, it's going to be very, I'm going to be very happy because I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. <laughs> Even though the Dolphins don't have a prayer this year, they're just a soft team. They beat up on really bad teams, and they get their asses kicked by really good teams like the Bills and uh, the Eagles. And who did they lose to this past weekend? Not this weekend, but the weekend before. Can't remember. They kicked their ass. It was... Broncos? No, they played over in Frankfurt, Germany. They put a, they put seventy up on the Broncos. Um, who did they play? It was in Germany. Oh, they played the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 All right, so let's go to Las Vegas for this next story. Jonathan Lewis, 17 years old, died on last Tuesday following a savage beatdown. Let's see. Across from Rancho High School. Well, actually, this took place on November 1st. He died the following Tuesday. Footage appears to show Jonathan throwing a punch before being swarmed by up to 15 Utes. Utes? Utes. <laughs> Great <laughs> reference. <laughs> Love that movie. Who are seen hitting and kicking him repeatedly as he lies on the ground. An extended version of the video emerged last night, which appears to show one of his friends attempting to come to his aid, but then receiving blows to the back of the head. Separate melee breaks out away from where Jonathan is being mobbed, and the boy who tried to intervene is being punched to the ground. Up to five other teams surrounded him and started hitting him. It comes as a public outcry simmered last night. A public outcry has gone out and it was simmering last night as the as the footage of the attack of Jonathan went viral. Viral. Jonathan's father told local media he was standing up for a smaller friend who had been robbed and thrown in a trash can. So let's go ahead and look at that footage. <laughs> I, 
I just don't get it, man. The, the one, as brutal as that attack is, there's just so much rage from these kids. You know, just so much rage and just uncontrollable, violent outbursts. And, it, and it's always seems to be, you know, we see videos all the time of like, you know, these smash and grab robberies and it's always large groups of dudes going in, smashing shit and then taking it or large groups of dudes surrounding one dude and beating the shit out of him. It's just like these roving bands of, of, of crazies that are, you know, bandits going around doing whatever they want to do, but the, it's never like a one-on-one. -on -one. It's always a large group. So I don't know if it's, you know, if that group is just friends or if they're like two or three and, you know, people just are attracted to mobs, especially when the mob is getting away with breaking the law. They just want to join the mob to have fun because it's a pretty lawless situation. But what's going on here is, you know, we get into the whataboutism that takes place. And everyone's going to say, if this kid was black who was beaten by 15 white kids, it would be all over the, all over the news. And you'd be absolutely correct. And that would be the narrative. The narrative would be the United States is a racist place. And this is an example of systemic racism if everything was reversed. But it's not reversed. And it doesn't fit that narrative. So this story is being ignored. As horrific as this story is, and these kids all need to be punished, they all need to be arrested, they all need to have their day in court, and they're all innocent until proven guilty, but there are a couple of factors at play. There's got to be some kind of, you know, investigation into the underlying causes of behavior like this. You know, is it is it the, the you know vaccine schedule that has been increased that was increased under Fauci, mixed in with antidepressants and other in Adderall and other prescription pills that kids, you know, and adults seem to be on nowadays? Is it lack of fathers in the home? Is it lack of supervision after school? Is it lack of opportunity for any kind of after school activities? But nobody ever wants to, to, to answer those questions or even be asked those questions, where I think they're probably the most legitimate questions that need to be asked after an incident like this. There's got to be some sort of underlying factors that make kids behave in this way with so much rage and with no ability of self-control or no ability of conflict resolution skills. See, you're making too much sense, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, because well, everything has to be broken down into race. Yeah, it's the same thing with guns. You know, it's all about the gun. Whenever there's any kind of a shooting that involves three or more people, it's always about the gun. It's never about the underlying factors. You know, we saw with those three pages that were released from the Trans Tifa shooter in Nashville. It's the fact that she is a product of the anti-white sentiment that's going around with the leftists on top of giving testosterone on top of whatever antidepressants that she's taking whatever drug cocktails that she's taking along with testosterone and the constant inundation of being told that white people are the problem in the united states that's that's the end result was that chick and i'm sure that the same can be said 
for the behavior of these boys acting the way that they acted in beating this kid to death. And to me, take the race racial component out of it. The fact of the matter is there's a 17-year-old boy who's dead who deserves justice. And this story deserves attention because he's dead and because a mob of 15 other boys beat him to death. That's the story. To me, the race is irrelevant, but unfortunately, our media, our corporate media is so corrupt that nobody is held accountable, once again, if you're from the aggrieved group, the so-called aggrieved group. And this kid, we don't know anything about this kid. This kid could be, you know, come from a broken home. He could, you know, anything could be possible about his social, socioeconomic status of his family and what kind of home he comes from. It doesn't—none of that matters, you know? Yeah. And same with the kids who did the beating. None of that matters. What matters is the fact that they did the beating and that they're contributing factors that led them to act the way that they acted. No. Well, and, it, it, you know, like good for the kid to stand up to help that one kid who—would you say, like, his money got taken and he got thrown in a trash can? Yeah. Like— I'm glad that that kid did that. I'm glad he stepped up and because he was trying to help someone. It, um, my heart is broken at the fact that now that kid is dead. Right. And then these kids who did like how you're saying who've done the beating, I don't think that it's going to click in their mind. Like they probably slept well the last few nights because it hasn't clicked in their head that they committed murder. They killed an innocent boy that was just standing up for someone else that they were bullying, and that's the problem. Right. Bullying is now acceptable. It's fine. Cyberbullying's okay if too. You're right if you're side. on the right side, yeah. And it's and they're going. I was thinking about this the other day. Someone was like, "Oh, I'm so glad that Trump is is off of uh, Twitter." You know, I know he's back now, but this, you know, I'm thinking about like conversations I've had with people in the past about it. And but then you go and you look at their Twitter and you see the vile things that come out of their thumbs. Because of course they're never going to say that out loud to someone's face because they're just going to hide behind the keyboard or hide behind their phone. Right. And it's like, you're doing the exact same thing that you're saying. You're mean tweeting. Right. You should be taken off of Twitter. But of course you won't because you're on their side. It's totally fine. Right. And here it is. These kids did this horrible thing. And you're saying no justice. If I was the, if I was the, the parent, I would be demanding justice. I'd be knocking on those parents' doors saying, what the hell did your kid do to my kid? What's going on? I'd be calling. I'd be lawyering up. I know they're, he's probably, they're probably going to. But it's just nothing will happen of it. No, unfortunately not. And I'm not sure who the prosecutor is in Clark County in Las Vegas. That has a lot to do with it nowadays. And also, we've seen it in the past with, you know, I talk about it all the time about jury nullification. Mm -hmm. It's really the only power that individuals have other than voting in the country and voting in a local election, federal elections. We've kissed that goodbye a long time ago. But when it comes to the jury, we're seeing jury nullifications in, you know, we just saw one down in Daytona where a Daytona police officer was killed in cold blood by a black separatist who posted on his social media, time to get me some pig blood before he went out and assassinated the police officer. And the jury decided that it wasn't first degree murder. It wasn't premeditated, even though he stated the, it, what Dear his actual word to be. It went down to second-degree murder, so this guy's going to be out in, you know, 10 years. 
waiting, so, waiting to get more pig blood. Right, and that's the problem that we're running into when we do have this victim oppressor mentality, and especially when it comes to the judicial system and the prosecutors in these counties, these Soros elected prosecutors who are like, you know what, this person is from an aggrieved group, so we're not gonna file. Oh, this person, we, we've we seen this in New York. We saw this guy who interrupted the uh, mugging with a pistol, he got arrested for brandishing a pistol. And we also saw the guy on the uh, former uh, Marine who got arrested for choking the homeless guy out and killing him. So now we're seeing people who are standing up to protect other people getting arrested while we see other people who are committing crimes getting arrested, either not getting the sentence they deserve and what's called for, or they're not being charged. So like everything else with the Biden administration, our judicial system is collapsing. All of our institutions that you know we have trusted for the last 250 years are all collapsing. And it's not because Biden's the president. Well, it is because it's under his watch. But there's something more sinister at foot. This is all by design. You have to collapse each institution, get people to think that the system is rigged. In some cases, it is and have them not buy into it anymore and then come out and say, you know what, all this shit's fucked up. We have to totally get rid of it and redo everything. And this is what we're com- we're, we've come up with. And I hope you enjoy it. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we're, we're, that's why you see all these institutions that we've had so much faith in all just crumbling right before our eyes. Yeah. One more story about the lovely judicial system. <laughs> no matter... Where you fall on this side, the Paul Pelosi attack was one of the weirdest things. Hammer time? Yes. Yes. Hammer time. So that trial of David DePape is going on right now. I I had no idea. Yes. None of us had any idea. Because no one's talking about it. No one's talking about it. They all wanted it to go away. And when I read part of this article, you'll know why they want it. Okay. All right. It just gets weirder. Paul Pelosi's attacker, David DePape, <laughs> brought two unicorn costumes to the victim's mansion before bludgeoning him with a hammer, court heard. David DePape, a former nudist from Canada, entered the Pelosi's San Francisco mansion through the back door in the early hours of October 2022 and bludgeoned former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's 82-year-old husband, Paul. The attack, which DePape's defense attorney has conceded he carried out, put Paul Pelosi in the hospital with a fractured skull. At a court in San Francisco Monday, authorities shared records of DePape's purchase from Amazon in the months in the months before the attacks, a laundry list of items he reportedly took with him to the crime scene. They included everything from a camping backpack, computer cables, body cameras, crayons, and two spooktacular body cameras? Yeah. Okay. And two spooktacular unicorn costumes. The prosecution played a recording of a call to Page to pay a later place to a news reporter stating, I have an important message for everyone in America. You're welcome. So were they gonna go trick or treating together? They could be. It was, you know, October 28th. I'm saying, like, were they getting ready for that? I'm just... I don't know. Why would you have crayons? I don't know. It's another... 
it, whatever this guy's story is, he's this David DePape guy has lots of issues. I mean, according to that list, they always say keep your keep your enemies guessing. You know, let them let them, don't show them your next move. I'm clearly confused as to what his next move was going to be. So he did a great job doing that. Yeah. Crayons, unicorn costumes, body cams. I, I, the dark parts of my mind have an idea of where that could have happened, especially with Halloween happening and all that stuff. But I don't want to go there because it makes yeah. me want to hurt somebody. I mean, but, can you force somebody into coloring? Well, I mean, <laughs> Halloween's coming up. They're dressed in unicorn. They open the door. Trick or treat. Yoink. Kidnap a kid. Here, color some crayons. Oh yeah, you know, well, like you need duct tape too, right? Well, I mean, who, I mean he didn't have to right. buy that from Amazon. He computer could, cable, I guess. Computer yeah. cable. He didn't bring a computer with him. Just had the cables. Yeah. So I mean, the paper is not not in the right frame of mind. No, not at all. And are they at least showing that at all? Or they? I think so. And, and even for the corrupt media. Because right when this came out, it was like, oh, he's been radicalized into a Trump supporter. Yeah, Maggot, yeah, yeah. This and that. And it's like, this guy's a fucking kook. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Look what he has on here. You know, he's a nudist from Canada. He's got a camping backpack, computer cameras, body cameras, crayons, and two unicorn costumes. So, yeah. I mean, we watched the footage many times when it came out. I remember what, and even just the way he swung the hammer with the cop there he wasn't that coordinated of a person either but like you know what still bothers me about that video what is the fact that who opened the door because there's the two of them are standing there right you've got depape with the hammer yeah paul pelosi has his hand on the hammer and a drink and a drink so who opens the door so maybe he oh i'm I wasn't there, so I'm just speculating. Maybe Pelosi opened the door, and then the guy went to the pape went to raise the hammer, and he put the hammer on real quick, so he didn't see that. I don't know. I'll have to watch it again. But I remember you saying that then, like, who opened the door? Yeah, it's 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 so weird. Maybe there was a third person that we don't know about. I'm thinking there was. Oh, there had to have been. None of the, we're never we never get the truth about anything anymore. But we did get the truth about the fight. The UFC, fight, oh, yeah. UFC 295, and if you missed it, you missed a pretty good fight. I did miss it. I'll have to go back and watch it. I thought it got stopped early. Uh, clearly, uh, oh, I can't. This, this dude's name, Pogoski. Uh, Anyways, he ended up losing to Pereira. Pereira had him shook. Um, it didn't, and then he, he got him on his back. It looked like uh, Pereira was going to finish him off. Prochaska versus... Prochaska, yeah. Pereira, yeah. Prochaska got hurt. He went down, and Pereira went to get on top of him, and the ref called the fight right then. So they didn't let him finish? But No, he said the, the ref was like, you know, it, it looked like he was hurt. He couldn't defend himself. Gotcha, okay. I thought that he could clearly defend himself, and the announcer, Joe Rogan, at the end of it, he's like, look... You look like you were hurt, but, you know, could, could you have gone on? He's like, and per, say his name again for me, Poraska? Yeah, Porchaska. Porchaska. He was like, you know what, the, I was hurt, and I don't disagree. Because normally fighters are like, no, that's bullshit. I can't believe they called the fight. I want a rematch. And, like, uh, their eyes yeah, swollen shut. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I was the right call on the referee. I was like, what? Whoa, okay. 
That's weird. Okay, I guess you were more shook than I thought you were. But anyways, before all of that started, Donald Trump and Dana White showed up, and they had two mystery guests, and there's talk that one of their mystery guests could be the VP on Trump's ticket. Let's go ahead and check out the video. How strong that team is making his way into the building. One of the bigger mixed martial arts fans, I know President Donald Trump seat for UFC 295. We got two title fights coming up at UFC 295 here in a matter of moments, live from Madison Square Garden. And President Trump will be here to witness all of it. Four of the very best fighters in the world set to take their cracks at light heavyweight and interim heavyweight gold, respectively. We move over to pay-per-view shortly. Thank you all for being here for the prelim coverage. But as you know, best is yet to come. Main car for UFC 295, live on ESPN, plus pay-per-view from Madison Square Garden. Starts right now. There you go. Kid Rock and Tucker Carlson. Ideally, I'd like to see Kid Rock on Trump's team. <laughs> but there's been, you know, the rumor mill and all the speculation that it could be Tucker Carlson just because of Tucker's popularity. What state is media. Tucker in from? Uh, Maine and Florida. He's got a cabin in Maine. He's got a place, I believe. So wouldn't necessarily, like, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, you know how there was, like, oh, who, the VP has to be from somewhere else to get that vote. But I feel like Tucker could get a vote from anywhere because he's Tucker. Yeah, he spent, you know, what, 35, most, he spent his entire adult life in D.C. Yeah. So. But so, but still, if it was, like, the main vote, you know, but. Yeah. But, but he's so huge. I mean, I mean, how many people watch his show when it comes out? It's crazy. The amount of views that his, his Twitter, his, or excuse me, his ex- show gets right. you know it's what's even crazier right now spain is going through a socialist coup and their protesters out in the street and tucker is now there with the protesters i saw footage it's a sea of people yeah socialism sucks folks yeah and at least it's nice to see different parts of europe waking up spain's uh waking up Poland is work uh, is waking up. They had a big nationalist parade, and they're like, "Okay, what the fuck is going on?" Yeah. You know, we're getting out here. This isn't cool. You know, it started in you know I shouldn't say it started, but early on, you had the Amsterdam farmer, the uh, the Holland farmers, um, who are protesting because the Dutch government was coming in and taking their land, all because of climate change. I think people. Hopefully it's not too late or waking up to see what's going on globally, especially with Western civilizations and the potential collapse of Europe and the potential collapse of the United States into this weird sort of global cabal. But what do you think? Do you think that it, what do you think putting Tucker on Trump's ticket is a winning ticket? Or do you think it's just people are going to be like, oh, what does Tucker know about politics? I think you're, you're going to hear that. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to hear that. What does Trump? What does Tucker know about politics? But I, I you just just thinking of just like the X numbers alone when it comes to just individual episodes and tweets that he has, all the different stuff that comes out. Yeah, I feel like it would it would be it would be fuel to that ticket to make it a winning ticket. Really? Yeah, there's. Uh, 
I know. I'd like to think it would. I think Tucker's a pretty smart guy. He's pretty measured. And if anybody knows the inner workings of DC, it's, it's him. Tucker. Yeah. And plus, you know, Tucker being, you know, a, kind of a neocon in like the first half of his career and being part of that progressive wing of the Republican Party. And then all of a sudden, you know, doing this total 180, I think, like a lot of people did who realized how corrupt the GOP is. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's nothing on the level of Democrats because the, those folks are in a different sort of satanic, weird sort of sorcery, wizardry kind of category yeah. that's like really dark arts, man. No, I mean, I, I know there was a huge uh, difference when Trump came into office. He didn't, he didn't like, it, like, I mean, I know W did, he like, did, did he trade in his shares of the Texas Rangers or whatever? Like he wasn't allowed to make money off of it. So he sold them or what he got rid of them. And like Trump was the first president in a long line of presidents to say, I, I don't need to do this. Like, right. It's just this, people did it out of respect. I'm not in control of my company. My children are and everything, but I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. Right. So my question would be, would Tucker stop doing what he's doing or anything out of, you know, or would he continue what he's doing as well? If he were to be the VP. Well, I don't think you can. No, yeah, he's going to be way too busy. It's going to be a different thing. Well, no, I, I don't, you know, if you're saying, you know, like if Tucker still has like, you know, an interview show or whatever, I, I don't think he can. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I I don't know about the VP. I do know that somebody on our network, on our network, who's running for president, um, the, 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 uh, the people that are, are funding his campaign are like, you know, they cut off, you know, him doing brand new podcasts because they, because of equal time. They, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, my question to you is, let's just say it is Tucker. They do get in, you know, so we get the four, the four more years. Do you think Tucker then, then runs for president and tries to go eight years? I would say, I would think so. I, I dude, I I don't think that you become vice president and then say I'm done. I'm done. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I but but also would it be a smart move for him to do it? You know, like I mean, I think I, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate. Well, I, I think it would be great, probably. Yeah, it depends on where where the where the country is. Yeah. You know, and if the if the country is you know if we're in you know embroiled in World War Three, you know, it depends on the popularity of you know what if Trump was what, what he was able to accomplish. But, you know, I, it's just so the, the system Washington DC is so corrupt right now. Even when Trump came in and said, I'm going to do this and that we saw how quickly they all circled the wagon. Oh my gosh. Fucking with him. No, I mean, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to do all like, uh, you know, he's all, you know, all the promises that he, you know, tried to do. Chuck Schumer <laughs> warned him on national <laughs> yeah. television what would happen to yeah. him if he went up against the security state. Yeah. Dude, that was, that's still the most chilling thing I have ever seen on television before. No, I, it's, it's, but all, you also got to think about this too. Look at what he did get done within those four years with being slammed yeah you know like good economy good economy (laughs) peace through strength there's all these things that he was at war you know and it's funny i remember like when he did his first executive order you know and and you know of course the mainstream media and left come out like how dare he do this so quickly into his you know into him being presidency it's like well they like he waited 
a while to do his first executive order. Right. President Biden did one on day one. No one batted an eye. Yeah. <laughs> at all. North Stream Pipeline. Bye. Bye. North Stream. Keystone Pipeline. <laughs> yeah, gone. gone. <laughs> like, North Stream Pipeline came later. We blew that up. But it's but it's one of those things where you're just going, man, like, it, it, we, we talk about this all the time. They said under Trump, he would start World War III. Our economy would go to tethers. Gas would go up. Uh, you know, they, 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 that's what the left was promising us if Trump got in. He did the exact opposite, and now that Biden's in. <laughs> it's like they gave away the playbook before Biden was in. And now, now, hey, well, you know what? We warned you that was what was going to happen. We we thought that's what was going to happen because we, we thought we were still in control. It didn't. But now we're, we have to live up to our promises. We're just going to let Biden take the eat. He's old anyway. He, you know, he's going to, yeah, it's going to be fine. He's, just, he's Uncle Joe. All right. Uh, you're on X, right, Disco? But not very active on it. You have an X account? Yes, producer Disco. All right. So one of the people that I follow on there, Cat Turd, because I started following Cat Turd because he got into a Twitter battle <laughs> with um, uh, Adam Kitzinger. And Adam Kitzinger said, if I ever find out who you are and see you in public, I'm going to whip your ass. And up until the weekend, nobody had any idea who Cat Turd was. I'm sure there were some people out there who did, but... Cat Turd is quite the conservative influencer. He has something like over 2 million followers on his X site. And he hooked up with John Rich of the duo Big and Rich and also John Rich's new whiskey company, Redneck Riviera. And they had, what are they? Turdstock. Turdstock 23 in Nashville, Tennessee. And we all got to see what Cat Turd looks like. And here he is. Turdstock's quite the place to be right now, isn't it? Isn't it, Cat Turd? Yeah, uh, flash that camera right over to right over to Cat Turd for a minute. Cat Turd. First of all, I just want to say uh, thank you for saying what we all think uh, on Twitter and True Social. But I'd like to invite Cat Turd up onto the stage right now for anybody that's never seen this man. He's quite handsome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, the one and only Cat Turd! Cat! Cat, how do you think it's going so far? I can't believe how good these people are. Can you? This is amazing! The guy's out of his mind singing, huh? Yeah. I'm going to hit the, his notes now. Ready? I can't do it. <laughs> you don't have to. You know what? You know what? You know what's been happening to this guy? This guy is sitting there just speaking the truth, and they SWAT him. They send a SWAT team in on Cat Turd. Somebody did. We come back there he is, the world-famous cat turd. Actually, you know what? I'm a big fan of what cat turd decided to wear there. That brown leather coat, that brown leather blazer is dope. I've been looking at leather blazers for like the last 
six weeks now and when i saw him sport that like, <laughs> it's you've locked it in now yeah i was going black and i was like convinced of it but now that i see cat turd sporting that sort of you know darker brown leather blazer i really liked it i really like the uh, cowboy hat too but if you're not following cat turd on x i suggest that you do he's a really really funny guy and i know that that clip didn't do it justice there's some people who are much funnier you know, on social media than they are in real life. Well, it's hard. It, it, you get to on uh, social media, you get your you get your chance. You're like, let me try this. No, let me try that. There, he's in front of people live, and he may not be that quick to the wit. And so, you yeah. know, no. But the, the stuff that he has is great, and so I'm I'm glad that they had uh, what was it? Turdstock. Turdstock. Now yeah. you can put a name with the face with the name. We should make Turdstock shirts. Speaking of turds. Megan Rapinoe is back. Did you watch her game over the weekend? No, I did not watch her game. No, I didn't either. Yeah. You know why? I had no idea they were playing. That's one reason why. But yeah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I so uh, you, you know used to do uh, many different things before doing stuff with Drew, and one of it was live sporting events, and worked a lot of soccer, MLS, and then also the the women's soccer teams, and I, so I've been filming on film on fields on pitches excuse me where she's no, been at field. it's a field Fuck, yeah no. whenever i hear so this is okay I'm, you've you've derailed me right yeah, now. you're fine i'm just gonna say this whenever i hear sportscasters talking about soccer and they refer to the field it's, it's as the a pitch, pitch yeah and then they refill refer to zero as nil, nil. I want to put my foot through the TV and just grab them around the throat and squeeze. And it's not a game. It's a match. Yeah, yeah. and a match. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, FC United, you know, just defeated D.C. in a friendly. What the fuck is a friendly? Those drive, I don't understand that. I literally was having this conversation with my wife about this over the weekend. It makes no sense. Yes, this is a great match that matched. And there it is. This is a great game that's going to happen. So what's it have to do with the regular stands for the season? Oh, nothing. They're just playing for fun. For yeah. fun? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Who plays for fun? No. Yeah. Play for bagging rights. You play to win. Always. Always. Yeah. And, and can somebody please tell me what the fuck a coach does? I mean, I played soccer. And <laughs> other than... Okay, he needs a break. Um, <laughs> For the rest of the game. <laughs> There's no play calling. There's no clock management. <laughs> it just, you don't need clock management. <laughs> you know, there's a corner kick. Push out! Yeah. He's offside! You know? And you're yards and yards away from them, so you trying to yell over the million of screaming fans that are yeah. there. I get the coach's part, you know, when it comes to practice and yeah. soccer, but during the game, it no. Really, kind of irrelevant. Well, that's why you have a good team captain on the field, not the pitch, on the field, <laughs> making sure that you're sticking to the plan. Pitch. All right. Speaking of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan's out on the field and she falls to the ground, and everyone thinks it's something. She's like six wow. minutes into the game, too. Yeah. But her last game. Her last game. Who cares? And at the post game press conference, this is what she had to say about her injury. And this is a long one, although I'm, I'm gonna get the Aaron Rodgers treatment, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna be calling him or whoever did his surgery because we need to speed this up. But yeah, I thought about it a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm not a religious person or anything. And if there wasn't God, like this is proof that there isn't. This is <laughs> up. Um, so yeah, it just, <laughs> it's just up. 
So her getting injured six minutes into a game is proof that there's no God. I can't imagine how self-centered and narcissistic you have to believe to say an injury that could be a fluke, could be whatever, is, is your reasoning and your proof that there is no God? I mean... If I'm that dumb bitch that was sitting next to Megan, I would slide away for fear that lightning would come down at any moment. I, be I believe that was also her last game as well. And you know what? That chick sitting next to her, she's just as unctuous and grotesque as Megan is because you, you could just tell by looking at her when Megan was talking that she absolutely idolizes this chick. And both of them, I'm sorry, they're, they're, just, <laughs> they're just scum. You know, it's just, we all knew that Megan Rapino was scum and for her to come out and say that, you know, she's not religious and she doesn't believe in God, that wouldn't be a shock. But to put it, to couch it in such a way where her being injured is proof that there is no God just because she wasn't able to finish her career the way that she, sh she thought her career should finish, the hubris of that statement. Well, just so you know, the way she ended the... It <laughs> This is her last line from that interview. Thank God I have an effing deep well of sense of humor. It was destined to go out in the final so early. So she thanked God there at the end. So you kind of turn that around. Yeah. Well, I don't. She didn't really thank God. That's just in her repertoire of saying thank God when something bad happens or good happens or yeah. whatever. She's she is so gross. And it's just, I, I'm glad she's retired because we don't have to see her stupid face, you know, other than commercials, and then we can just turn it off. So we might see her at the Olympics or something. You never know. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, the, every four years that we're forced to watch women's sports, we're going to have to see her a color commentate during the World yeah. Cup and act like we give a shit about it, which actually I kind of did up until she got on the team. And it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. They're winning. You know, I'll never forget when they won with, like, Brandy Chastain taking off her top and everything. You know, that was a pretty momentous event and got everybody kind of, like, you know, keyed up on watching women's sports, which, you know, is is not fun to watch. But at least when they're winning, it was fun. And th then, <laughs> you know, it's all like it, it, her kneeling and then talking about equal pay. And it's like, bruh. You know, this this whole fucking, you know, victimization thing that you're doing is is mind-blowing. And the fact that, it, like I said, that she just uses the fact, you know, her injury as proof that God doesn't exist because she didn't get to end her career on her terms. Man, if I'm out there and I was ever thinking about scissoring, her, scissoring with <laughs> Megan... It would end right there. I'd be like, there is no way. That is one toxic bitch right there to stay far, far away from. Well, that's one thing I wasn't thinking that I thought I was going to be thinking about today. But now, thank you, Tom. Scissoring? <laughs> yeah, that whole scenario. Thank yeah. you. No matter how much Megan scissors, she'll never get pregnant. That's, that's true. Another thought yeah, I mean, But that's the truth. So. <laughs> it's the absolute truth. Yeah. It's biology. Yeah. It's one of those baselines that I thought we all had. But no, Tom. We don't. <laughs> no, we don't follow that anymore. <laughs> all right. So one last thing before we get up out of here tonight, Monday night, 
We're going to do a Monday night edition of Welcome to Absurdia. Turned the music off too soon there. Sadly, so. we're going to see that scene coming up. I mean, if you drive down the street in Detroit, you're going to see somebody playing the piano on a bombed out street like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you probably still are seeing that. You're, you could see it today. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's getting closer and closer. So this first video, Disco, I know that you got a chance to preview a little bit of this. I'm actually still scared. You know, I... I've pretty much have spent my entire life and career on the fringes of society. I've worked, you know, I started in reality television when there weren't any reality shows other than cops and the real world. And so that was always like a fringe thing. And then, you know, once reality shows blew up, I got even more fringier because I started doing a lot of military stuff and, you know, still some more police stuff, shied away from like your mainstream you know, like Survivor and, you know, dating shows and so forth. Did Amazing Race, which, you know, nobody ever really watched and was on the verge of getting canceled and then won an Emmy after season three. Love, I, my, my, my family, we loved Amazing Race. We watched every episode all the time. So I, oh, thank little you. did I know I was uh, going to be watching your handiwork and, and getting to meet you and be friends with you down yes. the road. So we were one of your viewers well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a fun show to work on it's still in production i still have lots of friends to work on the show still a great show it's the best reality show on television no matter what donald trump says even though when he didn't win for apprentice he said it was a terrible show just stupid people running around with backpacks on and whatever else he said which is actually kind of funny i wish i could do the donald trump voice when he's talking about amazing race but anyways so that was all kind of fringy as well. And so I, it was always fun, like, living out in the outer edges of fringe and, you know, kind of like, you know, where, like, you, you had the normies over here and I was kind of here with, like, you know, the circus performers and the sideshow people and everything. And then all of a sudden the sideshow people started, you know, integrating with the normies and then the sideshow people started becoming the normies. And so now my whole world is confused and I'm not sure what to make of anything and normies are now getting too weird and the real weirdos are like myself are becoming mainstream. But this woman right here, I'll let you see for yourself. She's a normie who's trying a little bit too hard to be a little bit out there. And this is not feces, it's potting soil. You sure? Yes. Is this like, what's the? She's dressed like a pig and now she's rolling around. So this is like pup play, but pig play. Yeah, it's a total pig play. Now she's writhing in it now, close up on her pig mask. Now she's, <laughs> she's oinking. Yeah, now she's getting back to roll. Why isn't the rest of her body painted pink? Why just her face? I don't know. It's just so odd. And look at that mess she's making. 
But it looks like one of those toilet shower all-in-one areas where you just hose everything down. Childhood vaccines, um, processed chicken fingers, you know, high fructose corn syrup, antidepressants, other pharmaceuticals, too much time, you know, digital fentanyl. <laughs> was this the first time that her boyfriend saw her doing this? Because my boyfriend's coming. And then why would you ask, do you think I'm beautiful, if, if that's a normal thing, right? So could yeah. this have been, like, the first time? Yeah, I know. It, 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 and plus, I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you sh should tell them right off the bat. All right, man. This is what I'm into. Yeah. <laughs> you may not be into this, but I put on pig makeup, or I put on a pig nose and paint my face, and I take potting soil and throw it all in the bathroom and roll and get it wet and roll around in it. It's just what I'm into. It's just, you know, it, it's nothing. I mean, it's got to be sexual or something, right? Or is it, well, I don't know, you know, this generation, you know, I feel like an old fuddy-duddy now, but. You know, this is a generation that's like really into edging, which edging is one of the weirdest things that I've ever heard. It's like, what's the point? And for those of you who don't know what edging is, <laughs> it's when you bring yourself to have an orgasm and then you stop. So you're like literally blue balling yourself. And somehow for, for Gen Z and millennials, this is like all the rage. <laughs> I don't. I, hey, I'm a millennial. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. What you just said, it makes no sense to me at all. Yeah. So, and, and that's another thing, too, is that, and, and I've said this on the show before, and I and people can have their qualms with any generation they want. It doesn't matter. But at the same time, I feel like when people are like, oh, those stinking millennials. But if you were actually to do your homework on the person that you're mad at, they're just a Gen Z or they're not a millennial. Right. But they didn't, you know, you didn't know for the longest time, we didn't know they were going to be called Gen Z. So they just got clumped into the millennial, you know, name. But that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> no. None. I, I know. It's just. It just seems like a, a, a <sighs> desperate grasp for attention and clicks. And I think that's what we've come to with a lot of normies who are trying to, like, switch over. Because there, there are people who are just naturally weird. And to me, she doesn't come across as naturally weird. But this next person... Hold on. It looks yes. like the show just ended. Oh. Not, not anything you did or I did. Let me just go to the wide and put some music on just in case it is still going. Oh, and then we okay. can see what's going on. Play this last video just for your own amusement.
All right. We've got one more clip. Disco, I know you like this one. Yeah, sorry. Just real quick. Sorry about that, folks. You guys are probably going to watch in the replay. See Tom and I scrambling. Something happened with the live on Rumble and everything, but we're still here. So we're going to finish off the show just for you guys. All right. This is our last clip from Welcome to Absurdia. And uh, let's just roll it. <laughs> is that a porta potty? Oh yes. What is oh she doing? God. No! Yeah. No! Yeah, she's oh going God. deep in there to get. Oh, oh God! <laughs> Bro. Katie, I, I'm going to have to say Seriously? No! <laughs> no! Dude, I'm going to have I'm going to have to take the 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 loss. Yeah, no, the you phone's gone. Down, the phone is gone. I don't care what's on there. We're never getting it back if it's not up on the cloud. It is gone. It was, it was stained blue with oh. that toilet water that's in there. Gosh, work, so working for NASCAR for 10 years and doing, like, the races in Daytona and Miami and Atlanta and then doing uh, doing other leagues under NASCAR, you you learn to live with porta potties Right. And doesn't matter. Ten years, they're still disgusting to me. I think they're like, ugh, they're that's vile. The, the vile. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So your phone goes in. You don't go go. You don't, dude. Did you see what she did? She had like toilet paper wrapped on her arm, and then bare hands the rest of it. <laughs> she has. It's like wrapped like the ugh. toilet paper's like here, but like from like middle of her forearm down to like her fingers. She's she's going raw dog in there. So that means she's putting it in there and she's feeling, you know, all this booty meat brushing up against her. Uh. She goes deeper and deeper trying to and then, you know, she can't <laughs> she's gotta feel around a little bit. So she's gonna be fuck gonna be touching more booty meat trying to figure out <laughs> Where exactly? I'm so sorry that we decided to continue. <laughs> Her iPhone is. Oh my god, that's disgusting. Yeah, think about it. Think about putting your arm in there. I don't. I am, and it's making me want to vomit. Yeah, yeah. This is disgusting. Dude, back back in the day, before the the toilets on airplanes had that super suction on there. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They they used to like swirl around the bowl and mm -hmm. that blue stuff, and then there's like this little like where where the poop and toilet paper goes, just like a little flap that would mm -hmm. go down to kind of like a porta potty. Well, like the flap like in a motorhome. Yeah, yeah. Well, just... not like the one that closes, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, just like a little closing flap. So back in the day, when you'd be like on an international flight, there'd usually would be somebody on that flight who was a real fucking sicko, right? A coprophiliac. And they'd be really sheepish about themselves and keep to themselves. And while everyone was asleep on the flight, they'd go to the bathroom and they'd always bring their blazer with them, right? And they'd come out. And if you were still up, you could catch a glimpse of them coming down the aisle with a sheepish look on their face. And they were in there putting their hand no, inside. No, no. Because their arm would be stained blue, and you could no. see just a little bit of blue on their finger, on their, under their fingernails as they were coming down the aisle. Let's end the show. All right. <laughs> Ending the show now. <laughs> Thank you guys for uh, joining us on this Monday night. 
and we will see you tomorrow. Drew will be back in his regular seat. I will be back in mine. Disco will be back in his seat. And the world will be right once again for at least three hours a night where we will be back bringing you the latest news and opinion of what's going on in the world. And until then, be smart, be safe, be free.